Hey, good morning, everybody. It's 2.05 and 30 seconds here on, what is today's date? August 5th, Monday morning, August 5th. I'm Danielle McCartan. You just heard Lori Rubenstein, who did a great job. Uh, we're going to be together for the next four hours, or almost four hours at least, all the way up until 5.35, 5.40-ish, with the warm-up show with uh, Jerry and Al. And then you got Boomer and Geo on at uh, after that at 6 a.m. So, uh, let's line up those phone calls. It's uh, 877-337-6666. Again, I'm Daniel McCartan. If you wanted to get this, the conversation started on social media too, well, I'm on Twitter at CoachMCCARTAN and Facebook.com slash CoachMCCARTAN. Uh, we're here live from the Mike Francesa studio. We got producer Mike from behind the glass taking your calls tonight. And we got Harris Allen, as you just heard, on the updates. So I'm going to continue on the positivity train, as Lori was just doing. I mean, it is, isn't it not a great day to be a baseball fan in and around New York City? Both the Yankees and the Mets are rolling. They both had big wins in terms of run differential today. Yankees a little closer, but, you know, it's the kind of games, the both of them, were kind of the kind of games that you can kind of have on in the background and do other things around the house. That's what I was doing anyway, while, while, especially the Mets were playing today. Now, the Yankees and Mets are, um, their trajectories are pretty good at, at this juncture. I know Mets fans are a little cynical. We'll get into that. But they have nothing to be cynical about right this second. So first, let's take the Yankees. Now, the Yankees, you know, their num- number one question mark was their starting pitching. I mean, that is something that has been well-documented for uh, years now, I would say. And they got two good, not great, but they were good better starts from the two biggest question marks in their entire pitching rotation, Hap and Paxton. We're talking on, uh, let's say, on August 2nd, Boston, Paxton had six innings pitched, which was good, two hits, two earned runs, four walks, six strikeouts. You know, I'm, I'm, as you know, I'm a teacher by day. I give him an A- in that outing. Jay Hap, 8-4 versus Boston, Five and two-thirds innings pitch, seven hits, four earned runs, one walk, two strikeouts. I, for that, I give him a grade of B. I think Paxton is is better on the better uptick, and that's still not where Jay Happ needs to be. But it's better if you look back at his late, most recent couple games. He had a three and one-third inning outing versus the playoff bound Minnesota Twins. So that wasn't too good. But tonight was an improvement upon that. So maybe, let's look glass half full tonight. Maybe, just maybe, Hap is on the uptick again. I mean, he came in last year as, as the Red Sox killer. And um, he didn't really exactly, he was cruising through the first four innings, if you watched. And then he ran into a lot of trouble in the fifth. And, oh, by the way, the Yankees just swept the Boston Red Sox and buried any chance they had at the AL East. And the Red Sox are now, I just looked, six and a half games out of the second wild card spot. So there's a chance that the Boston Red Sox might not even make the playoffs this year. And so another team you need to watch, though, especially down the stretch here, the Tampa Bay Rays. The Tampa Bay Rays are a little dangerous. I mean, the Yankees have enough of a cushion right now. But watch out for those Rays. So you get good starts good-ish starts from your biggest question marks in your starting pitching. Then you get Glaber Torres. 
Glaber Torres continues his absolute tear. He's hitting 308 in August, over a thousand slugging percentage, 14 total bases, and three home runs. And if you were watching, if you've been paying attention, one of them was a game tying grand slam. Six RBIs, all against the Boston Red Sox. Glaber Torres is a Red Sox killer. Oh, and by the way, part of the Yankees' problem in, in the playoffs last year was that they couldn't really hit with runners in scoring position. Well, Torres is hitting 398, just about 400 with runners in scoring position. That's going to be useful down the stretch come playoff time. And listen to this. He joined, I couldn't believe this, he joined Joe DiMaggio this weekend. That's good company, isn't it? The only New York Yankee, him and, and Joe DiMaggio, to record five multi-homer home games multi-homer game, say that 10 times fast, in one season prior to their 23rd birthday. So you got Joe DiMaggio and Gleyber Torres. No way was this guy going to get traded out of the Bronx. And he's reminding you why every time he steps into that batter's box. And not to mention the flexibility that he provides. When D.D. Gregorius was out, he's a shortstop. Uh, Torres is a shortstop by trade. He moved to second base for D.D. Gregorius and the Yankees to play at the Yankees. So he gives you a little flexibility in the infield. The guy is an all-star, definite superstar on his way. And in the injuries, I mean, you can't say the word Yankees anymore without saying the word injuries in the same sentence. But unfortunately, it is part of the dialogue. And the Yankees this weekend, unfortunately lost Edwin Encarnacion, fractured wrist, Aaron Hicks, Elbow, elbow flexor strain. And now, this news coming out of the Yankee game tonight, Glaber Torres was sent to the hospital with a core issue after the game. So that's something to watch. But uh, Encarnacion and Hicks are on the IL, the injured list. But the Yankees haven't really missed a beat. I mean, it's the story of the entire season they haven't missed a beat. Especially, especially with the league-leading 26 players that were sent to the IL throughout the season. 16 at this very moment in time. 16 New York Yankees are on the IL. Including, I mean, these are big-name guys like Sanchez and, and Stanton. The big guys. But you have to think about the quote-unquote little guys that have stepped up. I mean, who even heard of these next couple guys I'm going to tell you about before, before the beginning of this season? I mean, Gio Arshela. Okay, he was traded from the Blue Jays last season in exchange for cash considerations. He gets the nod when Andujar tears his right shoulder labrum. His season's over. Arshela, batting 314, 11 home runs, 49 RBIs. Oh, and then there's Mike Talkman, traded from the Rockies in March for Phil Deal. Okay, I looked up Phil Deal too. 2019, the guy's got it. He's 0 and 0 with three strikeouts and 18 ERA. 18-run ERA. So I think um, looking at Kaufman and, and Deal, I, I think the Yankees won that trade. Now he gets the nod. There's multiple inter- injuries in the outfield, Stanton, Hicks, et cetera. Talkman plays 57 games, batting 284, seven home runs, 29 RBIs. And, oh, the last 16 games, he's batting 431. 431. Then you got Cameron Mabin. Traded from the Indians in April for some cash considerations. He gets the nod, again, with the outfielders sidelined. 48 games. He's batting 307. Luke Voigt traded from the Cardinals last summer 
for Chasen Shreve, who was DFA'd last week, by the way, by the Cardinals, and Giovanni Gallegos. He's doing all right. But he gets the nod when Greg Bird goes down. And Greg Bird, who, you might be asking. Greg Bird, who? Yankees haven't missed him at all. So Voigt plays 94 games, 278 batting average. He's got 19 dingers, 54 RBIs. So to say that Cashman didn't do so much at the trade deadline, well, you know what? He, he didn't, especially in terms of starting pitching. But look at these they're, they're, these guys, these four guys, Talkman, Mabin, Voigt, Urshela. They were not from within. They were from the Rockies, the Indians, the Cardinals, the Blue Jays. Those are season complexion changing guys that Brian Cashman's gotten in, let's just say, about one calendar year. And he basically gave up, let's just say, nothing for them. So those are the kind of moves the Yankees are making. Yes, we'll talk about the pitching in a little bit. Um, yes, there are some issues with that. But look at the if listen, if these guys weren't here, these Yankees would be sunk a long time ago. And the Mets, the Mets. How many Mets fans have been doing some scoreboard watching? Come on, I want you to raise your hand wherever you're listening. Raise your hand if you've been doing some scoreboard watching as a Mets fan. Don't be ashamed because the New York Mets are the hottest team in baseball since the All-Star break. They are the owners of the best NL winning percentage since the All-Star break, 7-14. They've won nine of their last 10. They've won six out of the last seven series they've played since the All-Star game, which included a two-game sweep of the AL Central-leading Minnesota Twins mid-July. I think that might have started it all off, actually. And sure, you could say that they're playing easy competition, but they're beating the teams that they're supposed to beat, and that's what's keeping them in, and that's what's giving them confidence. To make the run starting next week, it starts with the Braves once they get through the Marlins. And then, oh, yeah, how about a guy named Marcus Stroman? Oh, I think you've heard. He's from Long Island. I think you heard of that. Marcus Stroman, he brings a ton to the Mets. Absolute ton, including his fiery personality, which I love. I love that. I don't know if you saw the play he made the other night, too. Coming off the mound, getting a run, saving a run at home plate. Come on, that was so tough. Now, the Mets starting pitching, that's another plus. I mean, look at it. Since the All-Star break, I'm going to hand out some superlatives here. Ready? ERA in the MLB? In all of baseball, the Mets have the starting pitching has the lowest ERA in all of baseball. They've allowed the fewest home runs allowed on all of baseball. The lowest opponent average with runners in scoring positions, the Mets starting pitching. They've tossed the most scoreless innings, and they give you the highest innings per start, innings pitch per start on average. Those are some pretty hefty superlatives for the, I think, what does Boomer call them? He calls them the, the flushing five. And then, oh yeah, have you seen Jeff McNeil? The flying squirrel, Jeff McNeil, who he, he made a catch running into to the first baseline uh, um, stands over there. It's like, like remember when you were jumping on a, a treadmill, uh, not a treadmill, uh, a trampoline, and, and you hit into the wall and bounced off the netting? That's basically what he did, and he caught it. And this time last year, I was on WFAN asking for him to be brought up, wondering where he was. Go back to the tape. Last seven games, the guy's hitting 333 with three home runs and five RBIs. And did you see him, by the way, crank one out, out of PNC Park 
into the Allegheny River. I had to look that one up. The Allegheny River, because it could have been the Ohio River. I had to go to Google Google Maps for that. But he cranked it out of the ballpark. Oh, and hey, Ahmed Rosario. Since the All-Star game, Ahmed Rosario's batting average has jumped 113 points. His on-base percentage skyrocketed, 121 points. Have you seen his fielding? Guy's looking like an all-star out there. Actually, he's taking a deep dive into the analytics department. And it sounds really simple for those of us who play. But they, And I'm a shortstop, too. They notice that he, he doesn't get down and ready. He's not on the balls of his feet as, much, as early as he should. So when the ball's crossing the plate, they noted that he was a lot of the time still upright. So he's corrected that. And you can see the results. They're all paying off for him. Now, the Mets still only have a 29% chance of making the playoffs, according to fan graphs. But guess what? The day before the All-Star game, it was only a 5.7% chance. So I'm saying the Mets still have a chance, believe it or not. And in, in January, I was a, a panelist at the Queens Baseball Convention. I cautioned the entire audience of Mets fans. I said, listen, I would like to have some cautious optimism was the phrase I used for the 2019 Mets. And that's still my advice to Mets fans everywhere. Because they are playing the bottom of the barrel teams. And they do have a very tough, starting with the Braves at the end of next week, schedule coming up. And that's where we're going to separate the men from the boys for the New York Mets. So the Yankees' trajectory is pointing towards the World Series. But they'll have to go through most likely the Houston Astros first, who ramped up at the trade deadline. More on that, though, in a little bit. And the Mets' trajectory is ticking ever so upwards towards a playoff berth. I mean, I've had faith all along. And I get it that Mets fans are a little afraid for the other shoe to drop because there always seems to be another shoe. But right now, you just got to embrace it. You got to enjoy it, Mets fans everywhere. Because you know what? 29% chance of making the playoffs up from 5.7%, what, two weeks ago? Three weeks ago now? I mean, I'm liking it. I am liking that. Okay, so we got some calls lined up. Like I said, jump on board, 877-337-6666. Let's get this conversation going. It's me, Danielle McCartan, and you on WFAN. Radio 66 on your AM dial. It's Giants football as they open the preseason against the Jets with pregame coverage underway at 6.05. And on Sports Radio 1019 on your FM dial, it's Yankees baseball as they head up north to face the Toronto Blue Jays with our coverage beginning at 6.25. So get your radios all ready for a big night of baseball and football. The Giants on Sports Radio 66 WFAN AM and the Yankees on Sports Radio 1019 FM, WFAN FM, New York. All right. We got some Halsey going on in the background. I like it. I like it. All right. I'm Danielle McCartan. We're here till about 540 tomorrow, uh, tomorrow, today, in the morning. Um, we got some calls lined up. I, I definitely want to talk some, some New York Yankees, some New York Mets. Let's do some Giants and Jets, too, because, listen, today's Monday. Thursday, we have the first NFL action going on. We have Giants-Jets preseason from MetLife Stadium, so that's exciting. Hey, listen, we were just talking about the Yankees and the Mets. Well, the Yankees are on a collision course with the Houston Astros and the ALCS. I've got that matchup all mapped out 
in a little bit. And then so the Mets tomorrow, well, today, even May, Monday, August 5th, you got reigning Cy Young winner Jacob deGrom pitching to the Miami Marlins who are sitting at 42-67. and 67. So that should be a win. And that's at 4.10 p.m. Eastern time. So, hey, lots to look up for for the, for the Yankees and for the Mets. And, and let's go to the phones. I think uh, CJ, I think you were the first one. Uh, CJ, Mount Holly, you're on the fan. Danielle, is this your first show on the fan? No, I think this is like four. I think four, maybe? Oh, okay, because this is the first time I spoke to you. That was a very good monologue. Yeah, thank you. You really know know your stuff. (laughs) Before I get to the baseball, can I make a Jet comment? Yeah, let's go. All right, I'm a big-time Jet fan. I've been that way for about 50 years. Mm -hmm. I just missed the Super Bowl. But if you look at the team this year, it was talk about Donald and how exciting it's going to be. No one's mentioning Greg Williams and that defense. Everywhere the sky coaches, they're tough as nails, and they dominate the, you know, the line of scrimmage. I think that's going to be the biggest part of the Jets' success this year. I think truly the Jets' defense might be awesome this year. I have to agree with that. I just think, I mean, I love the addition of Quinn and Williams in the draft. He was my number one for the Jets when, when it was draft time, and they went out and got him, which I loved. And I love the, you know, the secondary, the safety level with Jamal Adams, the guy's a stud. What concerns me is the cornerbacks because the Jets, that's a little bit scary, especially they haven't really had a good one since uh, Darrell Rivas has left. I don't know if you agree with that. I totally agree with you that. That's really been a weakness year after year. Mm-hmm. All right. But, you know, I know we're going to go to the baseball. That's more pertinent right now. Sure, whatever. All right. With the Yankees, they really did not take advantage of the opportunity. You can't be relying on Domingo Herman and his tiring arm. He's never pitched you know, throughout a baseball season mm-hmm. where he started all these games. And I think he's a great candidate to burn out in the playoffs. So I really think the Yankees follow it by not going and getting a front-like starting pitcher. Or if one of these pitchers was not available, at least they needed maybe another number two, a number three starter. The pitching is subpar to beat the Astros. Yeah, uh, to beat the Astros, the starting pitching is absolutely subpar for the Yankees. Um, Herman, they're not putting him on an innings limit, so they're going to let him go. Um, and this is as of yesterday. They're going to let him go as long as possible. I just think, you know, and, and I was one of the biggest proponents for the Yankees to get somebody at the trade deadline. I wanted a starting pitcher. But then, obviously, Granke had the no-trade clause to um, to the Yankees. Bumgarner, you know, what was the price to pay for all these guys? And, and I know the Yankees are it's an unlimited bank account with the Yankees, and they have a lot of prospects. But I just think because they're the Yankees, people were asking for so much from them. And I think those guys weren't top-tier guys this year, this time around. I think they missed out last year. Um, but I just think when you look at – because Severino is on, on the I.L., and then you got – Forget um, about him. He's persona non grata. You don't think he's going to make it back? No, not at all. I think it was just pretending they was going to come back, maybe so they wouldn't look as desperate in a trade situation. So that's what they were saying publicly. Hmm. I didn't think of it that way. That's 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 a, a a cynical way to look at it. No, it's posturing though. That's part of negotiation. Yeah, that's done all the time. You know, even in the business world. But if you look at the Mets. You know what? Everyone has to cool it a little bit. You know what? They've been some bad teams. They're obviously playing better baseball. Let's see if get five teams above 500. Then I'll see if they're going to you know, possibly get into that wild 
card game. And I really think the bullpen is just too weak to get a job done against really good teams. So I think they're only going to end up winning maybe 78 to 82 games by season's end. Well, I think they're on on, on a great track uh, right now because they've got um, the Mar- three games with the Marlins coming up, and then they meet the Nationals, which they should be basically, you know, pretty much even with them at that point. And then they got the Braves. So, you know, by August 9th and August 10th, we're going to know what the Mets are made of. And, and, and CJ, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Um, and by, by by August 9th and 10th, we are going to know what the Mets are made out of. Are they the the team that? they're posturing to be right now or are they the same old Mets and we'll know we'll know when they take on the Nationals at City Field and the and the Mets are already asking for a lot lots of fans to show up for these games but it starts with beating three games on the Marlins let's go to a Mets call oh Mike in Port St. Lucie Florida hi Mike how are you you're on the fan hey you're right gotta just beat the Nationals then we'll know who's gonna the Mets team I saw that play like the one you were talking about. The Stroman play? Stroman. Yeah, how sick yeah. was that? That was so sick. <laughs> and then McNeil hit it out of the room. Like, yeah. So you're right. Like, you have to sweep this Marlins team, and then we'll know. Let's go Mets, right? <laughs> yeah, well, I think the Marlins team they should beat. I mean, I'm talking, like, once we get to the Nationals no, and we sweep. see. Sweep, sweep. Yeah, oh, sweep. Oh, yes. Yes, they have to sweep the Marlins. Sweep. That's it. They have to they win have three to. out of three. They're at home, right? Right. They're at home. Yep. They have to, even without Cano, like, this is how you get back into playoff. Like, this is a must-win series. You know, you brought up Cano. Cano, I mean, he was just getting hot if you were watching the game today, but I— got a hamstring. Yeah, I I just don't know what he's still doing in the four spot, you know? And Mickey Calloway, he said that he's a superstitious kind of guy and he didn't want to move out of the four spot, but— I think by him being out, I don't think it's a bad thing because then they're going to have to move Pete Alonso to the four spot where he should be in the lineup to begin with. I just don't know. Like this is the biggest series, and if they win, if they sweep this small team, mm-hmm. you know, they're back and you know they're content and like the Mets are for real. <laughs> I, you know what? I think, and they, I always thought the Mets were for real. I never really wavered on the Mets. I'll be honest with you. I swear. You can go back on the Twitter feed. Uh, I don't mess with Twitter, man. You know, <laughs> but I, I was just calling. Like, it's if you're a Mets Mets fan, like this is the way to like. This is now whenever the Mets. That's right. Like, you got to sweep this three game series. And thanks for taking the call. Yeah, thank you, <laughs> thank you. Hey, uh, he's right. I mean, you got to sweep the Marlins. You got to beat the teams you're supposed to beat, which is the Marlins three times in a row. The Mets don't have a pitcher listed for the Tuesday game or the Wednesday game just yet. Um, but Degrom is on the mound Monday, today, tonight, really, and um, they have to win. That's a must-win game. These next, and I, you know, I know they're nine out of ten, but you're looking at their schedule. These next one, two, three, four, five, six games are, are must-win games for the Mets if they want to stay in contention here. Uh, let's stick with the Mets team. Chris in Farmingdale, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning. First time caller. Oh, good. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's great. Uh, you know, it, this this is the feeling that I miss, you know, having this this uh, stretch right after the All-Star break. Um, and I was even saying, like, wouldn't it be funny if they became the hottest team after the All-Star break? They, mm-hmm. just, you know, they just went on a tear. And it's actually coming, you know, it's coming to fruition. And it's, this is what I want. You know, this is, I hate being always, because, you know, it messes up your whole 
week when the Mets are bad. You just go to work upset. You're just depressed. You know, you got nothing else going for you. It's like, oh, I got to wait for football season again. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, it's just like, it's just, I like this atmosphere. I just, I just feel better as a human being. And you know what? I'm going to the game uh, Friday. I, I mean, you know, we don't have to sweep the, the, the Marlins. I don't want to get ahead of ourselves. Take three out of four. I'm okay with that. I don't want a two out of two. I want three out of four. And we go into that game Friday night. That's going to be a great atmosphere. The stadium is going to be rocking because you know what? Now we that might be a chance for us to pass the Nationals. Yeah, I definitely leapfrog the Nationals. I mean, so the the Mets have. I'm looking at the. Uh, they're shooting for the wild card. I don't think they're going to be winning the NL East. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, you got the Braves in front of you. I mean, who knows? I mean, if the Mets sweep the Braves, and we're having a different conversation in two weeks. But well, go ahead. Well, remember what happened? Ah, what year was it? 2013 or no? It was the year? Uh, yeah, the year the Cardinals won the World Series. Remember, in September there were ten games out of first place, and they went on a tear. And they and they, I think, I don't think they got a wild card. I think they won the division. Um, and and then that was the year they uh, they beat Texas and they won the whole thing. That was that. You know, that they, everybody talked about how they were ten games out mm-hmm. in September. So it's possible. Baseball is a funny sport. Yeah, you know, a tricky um, sport. One, well, one one thing um, before I, before you let me go, yeah. I I I've noticed you know Ramos is a great offensive catcher, but I I see what his flaws are as defensively. He he's not good at calling a good game. Um, now that that game with uh, Stroman when when the uh, the umpire was calling a tight strike zone, he kept on going inside uh, or going outside the to to the plate, um, and then Stroman was pitching you know to him on the uh, outside corner, and he was just missing. And that was loading the bases. And I noticed he does that with the Grom. The Grom gets in a full count or gets behind in the count. He's move, Ramos is moving close to the batter, and then the Grom's throwing um, a slider or or uh, a curve, and it's just missing. And then there's ball four, and and next you know the next person gets up and gets a hit or or forces in a run. The ERAs go up. So I see how that can affect the pitcher. And I'm like, I was like, Ramos, why are you going outside? That this umpire is calling a really strike uh, tight strike zone. Just put the put the glove right in the middle of the plate. Let him throw it down the plate. Yeah, yeah. And and I'm I'm gonna let you go here for one second. But Chris, thanks for the call. You know, I, I coach too. I coach softball. And and there was a, I remember having a conversation with with a girl that that was a pitcher on my team. I'm, I'm not gonna say a team or their or or their names, but. She was upset with, I mean, her her bread and butter pitch, her strikeout pitch is a drop curve on the low outside part of the plate. That's her strikeout pitch. And the catcher, or my catcher, wasn't wasn't putting it there for her. And what I said, I got them both in the batting cage. I said, listen, you two need to figure this out. You need to talk, and I'm going to walk away, and you guys figure out a strategy, a, a plan of action to attack these hitters. You need to know what she wants, and, and she needs to know what you want. And I think that's what needs to happen in the New York Mets dugout. Uh, DeGrom, I mean, he had a personal catcher for a while, and now they're back on the Ramos train. You know, just it's just that the the, the Mets pitchers and catchers, like like he was saying, need to get on the same page. They need to know, you know, this is what how I want to attack, and this is what I want to do. And and then they'll open it up. They'll open up some good possibility. Um, hey, we'll talk uh, New York Yankees after the break. You guys that are on hold, hang on. And uh, I'll catch you guys in about a few minutes. <laughs> Joe Girardi is back with Mike Francesa tomorrow at 5, exclusively on your flagship station for New York Yankees talk, tickets, and games. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. Like it, we got a little Drake here. I just want to be. 
I just want to be successful. All right, we got some New York Yankees talk up now. Hey, get on board. 877-337-6666. I'm Danielle McCartan, taking you all the way to the Al and Jerry warm-up show. Uh, I'm on this Monday morning here in Manhattan, New York. The New York Yankees are uh, eight games above the Tampa Bay Rays, 14 and a half over the Boston Red Sox. And then their Blue Jays and Orioles are irrelevant. And that's who the Yankees are going to be playing in the next couple of days. The irrelevant Orioles and the irrelevant Blue Jays. And they are on a crash course, in my opinion, with the Houston Astros in the ALCS. Let's go to Freddie in Manhattan. Freddie, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. Enjoying the show. Thank you. Um, quick point about the Astros. I remember the Atlanta Braves had three Hall of Fame starting pitchers for 10 years and the only one won World Series. So it's not a sure thing. Mm. You don't know. You don't know what, what's going to happen in the playoffs. Somebody can get hot. Somebody can get hurt. Two months away. Also, I don't know what the kerfuffle is about Clint Frazier. I mean, the guy isn't on a hot streak. He's not hitting at AAA Scranton. All the other guys at Scranton are hitting. And Talkman hits lefties as well as righties. Ford hits lefties as well as righties. Mabin and Talkman can play all three outfield positions. Frazier, since his concussion, he was rated as a good outfielder before he had the concussions in the minor leagues, has to get it together defensively. So what is the rush? They're eight games up, and I know Laurie was outraged. I mean, what is the big deal? I mean, I would even say Trey Ambergie, who's younger than him and has more skills, a better outfielder, is, start, is hitting like crazy now at Scranton, is ahead of him on the depth chart. I think Frazier should stay down there, get the defense together, get on a hot streak, and he'll be called in September with the other guys, really. Yeah, I, I mean, I agree, and I actually thought that Frazier was going to be a trade piece for a, a starting pitcher. I mean, I know a lot of teams inquired about him, and I don't know why you know Cashman didn't ever pull the trigger because when you think about it, you have all these guys playing up now, and when Stanton comes back, when Hicks comes back, the outfield is a crowded position depth-wise for the New York Yankees. So, you know, Frazier, he's got some time at, at the MLB level. Why not deal him in a deal? I mean, I feel like Cashman at times holds on to these prospects that, you know, Sometimes you just you got to let him go, and you got to let him grow somewhere else. You know I don't I mean? know if they were offered a guy. He wanted he wasn't going to trade him for a rental, which I agree with. Correct. Who is the the number one or number two starter that they would have under control for two or three years that was available? I don't think there was was any. You know who, who was it? You know who it would have been Noah Syndergaard, but the Mets pulled him off the market. Uh, I think they wanted more than that, though. Oh, I, yeah, definitely. Yes, the rumor, for sure. The rumor was that we were asking for Glaber Torres. Yeah, no. That's, Joe Sherman had that. Yeah, that's a, that's a hard no. Yeah. <laughs> so so I, I got a sort of – I know he's had a, a, a sketchy record with starting pitching. You know, uh, you know starting pitching is kind of a crapshoot sometimes. But, um, you know, with the injuries and the Tommy Johns and everything else. But I got I to gotta, uh, have faith in, in Cashman, you know. I mean, I'm, I know he tried his best. And, uh, you know, when some of these better stars were available, like Verland or whatever, mm-hmm. the Yankees didn't have the farm system to get them, Yep. you know? So, uh, anyway, enjoying the show, and uh, good luck for the rest of the night. Thank right, thanks, Freddie. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah, the, the Yankees missed out, and Cashman missed out, and I'm looking on TV right now, Garrett Cole, I mean, Justin Verlander, those are the guys, and that's when the Yankees really missed out on the starting pitching. To me, there really wasn't, you know, an ace, a number one, like like he just said, Freddie just said, there was a lot of rental players on the market. Zach Wheeler, who, who I liked, would have been a rental player. And like I said before, because you're the New York Yankees and because everybody knows what you have in your farm system, they're going to ask for more. 
And then that puts the Yankees in a really bad position that they don't want to overpay, which I think that they should not have overpaid. And, and I kind of agree. You know, at first I was kind of outraged. Like, what do you mean you need to make any moves? But now, you know, I think and I sit back and I'm like, you know what? I almost like it. I, you know, Syndergaard was someone that I would have liked for the Yankees to have gotten because Syndergaard has the, you know, control. They have control over Syndergaard for, I think it's two more years. Um, but the Mets weren't giving them up. And you know what? The Mets made a good move, actually. And we'll talk about that in a little bit. But I think the Mets really won the trade deadline this year. Lenny in Farmingdale, talking about the Yankees. You're on the fan. Hi, Danielle. I have a question. What's up? Would you know if Henry Cheetah had any input on the Yankees getting Didi DeGorius? Mm, that, I mean, I don't know. I've talked to Didi Gregorius about taking over for Derek Cheater, and I do know, and he did tell me that Derek Cheater had given him advice, but I'm not sure beyond that kind of what the story is. Okay, and one more question, please. How far do you think the Yankees will go? Well, I think they're going to run into a brick wall with the Houston Astros, and, and you know, the Houston Astros, and, and I'll talk about this in a few minutes, but the, the Astros kind of outranked the Yankees in like a lot of the categories that I that I, I, I put together today. And I'll, I'll tweet out the, the graphic at Coach McCartan in, in a few minutes. But, you know, I, I think they're going to run into a brick wall. I think that, you know, every, anything can happen in the playoffs, as we've said. But the Yankees under Joe Girardi ran into the same brick wall in the Astros that year. And, you know, you know that year the Yankees weren't supposed to make it that far. And then, you know, last year it was World Series or bust, and they busted. And then this year... It's going to be the Astros again. I mean, the Astros are the, the team to beat. They've had some injuries as well, and, and they're going to come together just like the Yankees are, and, and it's going to be really one heck of an ALCS this year. What do you think? Well, if, if you remember 1996, the Yankees were supposed to hit a brick wall with Maddox, Glavin, mm-hmm. and Smoltz, and look, look at what they did in 96. So you can't really say that Houston's a lock to win the uh, the World Series or go to the World Series. Mm, I mean, I'm 96. I was eight years old, so I, I don't really know. I, I'd have to look back at you know the, the 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 lineup for the the Braves. Then you know, were they really so dependent upon the pitching only? Um, because I the, the Houston Astros not only have the pitching, but they have the hitting too, and they have the star power too with Altuve and Correa and Springer. I mean, once those guys all get back in the lineup all together. It's 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 really hard. It's it's really hard. It'll be an uphill battle. I'm not saying it's impossible. I mean, these are the New York Yankees. They are led by Aaron Judge and and, and company. But I'm saying it's going to be a really hard uphill battle um, from there. And, and Lenny, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Thanks. <laughs> okay, and so uh, we got some more Yankee calls. Joe D, Staten Island. You're on the fan. Hello, young lady. How are you? Good. How are you, Joe? First of all. I don't want you to take this the wrong way, okay? Okay. Getting a second wild card is like a joke. If you cannot finish first through a whole season and win your division finishing first, the only thing that's first wild card is and the second wild card is is to make money. If you can't finish first in a whole season, Instead of go, going with all this nonsense with the first wild card and the second wild card, it's a joke. First of all, the Mets are playing inferior teams like the Pirates, the Marlins. These teams are a joke. Now, young lady, do you agree with that? <laughs> I, uh, which part of it, <laughs> Joe? You're fired up about a lot. Uh, the part where the Mets are playing joke teams? Yeah, I agree with well, that. Uh, let me ask you a question. 
Are the Marlins a joke? Are the Pirates a joke? I mean, well, look who the Yankees had to play this weekend. The Boston Red Sox. They're going to have to play the Houston Astros. Why, you don't think the Mets are in a joke division? <laughs> I mean, look at the Yankee standings. You have the irrelevant, irrelevant Baltimore Orioles are 34 games back. They've only won 38 games this whole year. And then you got the Blue Jays. We're not Jays. talking about Baltimore. We're talking about who they just played, Boston. They play Houston. They play Cleveland. Those are all legitimate teams, all better than any team in the National League East. You got a National League East team better than the Cleveland Indians? But Come we're not on. we're not we're not comparing apples to apples here. You know, the Yankees are playing the Astros. They're not in the same division as the, the Yankees. We're, are you talking the American League East versus the National League talk, I'm talking about the teams the Yankees play. They played Boston recently. Yeah, and they have, and, and they they, have the and Blue they, Jays they, and the they, Orioles they, coming up. And those games, they're, they're 20, 28 games back and 34 games back. That's the next Yankees six games ahead of them. Right, right but we're not talking about those, uh, those two teams. We're talking about Cleveland, Houston. And Boston, all three of those teams are better than any team in the National League East. The Mets will get a second wild card, and if they get a second wild card, that to me is a joke. Are you saying if that you the, Bo- have- the Boston Red Sox are better than the Los Angeles Dodgers? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm not saying that. <laughs> I can't find it. And I got news for you. I'm a Yankee fan, and I believe right now the Los Angeles Dodgers are probably the best team in Major League Baseball. And I'm a Yankee fan. Well, yeah. Did you see how they won today? Max Muncy is a double there? Yeah. I I remember something, too. There's one thing you haven't mentioned. The Dodgers have the four best starting pitchers in baseball. Look at the young young man that pitched last night. He's either nine and two or ten and two. Kershaw is ten and two. You got that other guy, Raul. He he's like thirteen and two with a one seventy four ERA. The Dodgers are the best team in baseball because this time, if the Dodgers face Houston, the Dodgers are going to knock them off. The, the only reason the Yankees might have a chance, the Yankees have, have a great hitting ball club, but they don't have, the, let me tell you something. The Yankees don't have no starting pitching. Look at this guy Hap today. You know what I get, get a kick out of? When they say a quality start is six innings. Do you know what a quality start is, my dear? Well, nowadays Eight it's innings. six innings. Nowadays it's six. It, it, that quality start, my dear, is not six innings. It's seven innings. It's eight innings. That's a quality start. Well, it depends on what kind of bullpen you have there, Joe, too. If you have a strong bullpen, a quality start is six innings for your team. You know? It's it's six innings for my team because my team can't pitch. (laughs) That's why it's six innings for my team. Take a look at half season. Preston season. Tanaka season. All of them that cannot go past six innings. And if you cannot pitch... Seven innings or eight innings, then I do not consider it a quality start. All right, Joe. Thanks for the call there. I I I, I forgot that I wanted to ask him, Mike, if if he was a uh, an NBA fan because all those teams make the playoffs. <laughs> I don't know if I've ever heard Joe D talk about anything that's not baseball. <laughs> well, I'm, I'm curious to see if he's a, he's a basketball fan because, and I would love to talk to him again in September when the Mets play the, the Los Angeles Dodgers, uh, who are. You know, obviously favorites to win win the World Series there, uh, but you got to appreciate his passion. He is a passionate guy. I mean, right? 
mean, well, if we're going to measure it by how much he yells at us all the time, everybody <laughs> who works at this station, then yes, he's very passionate. I mean, six innings nowadays is a, is a quality start for it's a starting a, it, pitcher. Listen, a lot of us don't like it. It's an official stat. Yeah, you pitch six innings, you give up three or fewer runs. That's a quality start. Right. It's a stat. It's in the in the box card. It's on their baseball reference pages. It's. We don't have to like it, but it is a stat. It, the game has evolved. The game has changed uh, over the years, and and that you is can't, you can't say that to a lot of the the callers. I know they that evolve, change. I know. I know like that. that. I know. <laughs> All right, so uh, we have a break in one minute. So can we get to one more call? No, I'm not going to uh, rush a call. I want you guys to hang on. Um, but yes, you know, you know what? <laughs> I'm looking at the standings here. I, I was confused a little bit on his logic too about you know. It was irrelevant that the Yankees were going to play the, the two most irrelevant teams in pretty much all of baseball to him. That that was irrelevant to his to his argument, Joe D. There, um, but you know the Yankees are. Let's see. It looks like they're the third. They have the, th- the second most wins in in all of baseball. Uh, no, third. It's the Dodgers, followed by the Astros, followed by the New York Yankees at seventy two wins. Um, and it's a runaway for the American League East for the Yankees. It is not sealed in the a- AL Central. And it looks like it's a runaway for the Astros in the West. Like I'm saying, it, we are set up for a collision course on the ALCS for the New York Yankees and Houston Astros. And I have sort of like a preview for that, a little analysis of that coming up on the fan. Get, jump on board, 877-337-6666, and catch you on the other side of the break. Hey, this is Taz, former pro wrestler and a world heavyweight champion and current morning host on CBS Sports Radio. SummerSlam is happening this Sunday night in Toronto. Coming up at 11 p.m., we'll be talking about all the matches and taking your calls right here on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. All right, I'm loving the Lady Gaga. She... I don't know if you guys listen to pop radio in, in the audience uh, listening now, but Lady Gaga is a nice, talented Italian-American. She's one of the best voices of our generation, whether or not you like her her get-up or not. But I, I love it. I, I, I She's great in concert, too. You need to go see her. Uh, but this is not a, a, a music station. This is a sports station. So uh, I want to get back into the Mets and Yankees because there's a lot of calls about both of them on, on, on hold here. And as you know, I mean, it's a great time to be a sport, a baseball fan, especially in New York right now, because the Yankees and Mets are coming off of great wins today. Or Sunday, even today's Monday. It's three twenty-four here in New York City. Let's get on the phone eight seven seven three three seven sixty six sixty six. And uh, Kevin in Copenhagen, you've been hanging on for a while. You're on the fan. How you doing, Danielle? Good. How are you, Kevin? You should have played some uh, Taylor Swift for Mike. He loves her. I, you know what? Mike is wearing a Taylor Swift T-shirt right now, and he's talking to uh, to Harris right now. But Mike, he's wearing a Taylor Swift a concert tour T-shirt. I love Taylor Swift too. Yeah, she's pretty good. But uh, the Mets are closer to the wild card than than the Red Sox. Uh that's how it looks. It's pretty crazy, right? I mean, everybody gets so so down on the Mets all the time. I just I don't understand it. I really don't. All this talk, the Mets have to jump six teams. There's one, they're one game behind three teams and play the Nats and Phillies a lot. You know? Yeah, I know, I know, and they and they got the Dodgers coming up. The Mets have a big schedule coming up once they get through the Marlins. They got they got uh, the uh, the Nationals coming up, and then they have the Dodgers not soon, not long after that. What do you think the Mets should do with uh, Cano if he heads to the uh, IL? Uh well, that contract's going to haunt the Mets for many years to come. 
I didn't like it when they when they did it. Um, honestly, because I, because I knew, and I you can go back to the tape that I knew that Jeff McNeil was going to be something, and I said it. I said it on this radio station a year ago. So, you know, at second base, I think Cano is taking reps away from McNeil at second base, and I and I don't like that because McNeil is the future of the franchise. So I think honestly, I think it might be like addition by subtraction. I hate to say it, you know, because you know he's injured and stuff, but. You know, with him out of the lineup, clogging up that four hole, I mean, you got, you move Alonso into that four hole. I, I think the Mets are still going to be cooking. I don't think having Cano out of that lineup or out of the field, even, I don't think it's going to be a big hit. Do you trust uh, Altair or Ligaris, though? Uh, Ligaris, no. Altair, I'm, jury's out still on him, you know, but Ligaris, I mean, is that guy ever going to come back to the Mets? I mean, seriously? They put that uh, gold glove in 2014 every game. It's like five years ago. <laughs> yeah, but you know, you know who's emerging from the Mets? It's Ahmed Rosario. I mean, the guy has tightened up his game in the field and at bat. I mean, it, it, the the transformation since before the All Star break and after the All Star break for Ahmed Rosario, that guy is is the standout standout for the Mets. I think, in my opinion. I was telling Tony Page, uh, Mike Puma did that uh, mid season or All Star break report card. He gave him an F. Because his defense, so, I mean, his offense—he's been two eighty now. Yeah, and he's one. You know what? And with two strikes too, he's improved one hundred nine before the All Star break, over three hundred after it. And the problem—they fixed it. They fixed his defensive issues since since that time. Because, like I said before, you know, he wasn't ready in the ready position. He was still still upright when the ball was almost crossing the plate, which put him obviously in a bad position. If you ever play the game, you know, you have to be down, ready on the balls of your feet to feel the ball. And and when you're not there. You're not ready, and they've fixed that, and they've amended that, and and look at the difference that it that it's been making. He's the guy looks like an all star out there. He looks like a Gold Glove winner. No, let's not get too carried away. <laughs> How much credit are you giving uh, Phil Reagan, the pitching coach, the uh, old man? Yeah, you know, I, I can't figure it out. I'm not sure because I, I don't know what it is. I mean, the Mets must be like drinking the juice in the, in, in the dugout. I, I don't know what's going on because, and even if you look at Syndergaard, his first 17 starts, his ERA was up at 4.68. And his last five starts is at 1.78. So is it the pitching coach? Is it the analytics department? That's what fixed Rosario in the field. I, I don't know. I don't know where to give the credit to. Is it? Is it Syndergaard himself? I, I don't know. But whatever it is, it, it's working. It is working for the New York Mets. Would you uh, turn to uh, Lugo as the closer instead of Diaz? I mean, he's, he's been giving up the long ball now. Yeah, I think, I, I think, and Kevin, thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I think that Diaz strikes fear in Met fans all over the place. I think his inconsistencies is just too, too much to handle down the stretch. So I think, I mean, if you at least move him into to a reliever sort of role, middle inning sort of guy, he can't do too much damage because time and time again, we've seen the game lost or, or even being close. To, the, the lead relinquished with Diaz on the mound. I mean, Lugo's not that much better, but at least he's he's... You can have a little more confidence in Lugo as a closer than Diaz. Let's head out to Brooklyn. Dave, you're on the fan. Hey, Daniel. How are you? Good. How are you? Great. Uh, Yeah, thank you for your uh, analysis of the Yankees versus the Astros. They, too, have obviously endured many injuries. Mm -hmm. Um, It's amazing. Here we are, August 5th. The Yankees have the highest winning percentage, the best record in all of Major League Baseball. And um, and as you mentioned, we're talking about their ace, who has yet to pick up a ball, you know, the middle reliever who has yet to pick up a ball, and constant injuries. 
among their best players, and it's very similar to what the Astros have endured. Um, I, you know, all things considered, analytics, luck, when, the, the whole thing put together, um, obviously um, Cashman's big mistakes were not a few days ago. They were a few months ago and a few mm-hmm. years ago, mm-hmm. especially, you know, he didn't want to give the money to Corbin, and um, he would have been, you know, quite a... a you know, an improvement. But you know what? I honestly, I think this is the game plan. I think if the Yankees get into postseason, and I believe they will, I think that Boone is going to gather all the pitchers and say, hey, guess what, guys? Out of, you know, guess what? You're kind of a starter. Not really, but kind of. Like, everybody knows that we're all in this. You know, we may do things, uh, except maybe bringing Chapman in, uh, except for the ninth. We may do almost anything. We may bring Adovino into the fourth inning. We may do all sorts of stuff. And we're just going to basically uh, try to replicate what the Red Sox did last year. And I think that's the game plan. And even maybe moving CeCe Sabathia to the to bullpen there. Dave, thanks for the call. I mean, in a playoff situation, especially in elimination game, it has to be all hands on deck. I mean, especially if Hap throws up uh, three innings, you know, you have to be all hands on deck. And I think, you know, it depends on what, Severino will do if he comes back or not. I think a good move would move CC Sabathia to the bullpen. He can eat up, let's say, three or four innings per game. I mean, I know it's a different thought process. I, you know, I'm not. I don't know what it is to change from starting pitching to relief pitching, and there are pitchers that haven't liked it. You know, in town. But I mean, I think that's the move if CC does come back. And I mean, he's battling the the knee pain. We know that. Um, but yeah, I mean, innings eaters is what I call them. Innings eaters. The Yankees need to have a few of those because I don't have any confidence in their starting pitching, especially down the stretch. And just not a correction, but the Yankees are tied with the Dodgers for uh, highest winning percentage. They're both at 649. Peter in Orange Township, you're up next. You're on the fan. Thank you, Danielle. What's up, Peter? Well, I like the way you analyze baseball. Thank you. You do a good job. You should have your own show. Thanks. I appreciate that. I haven't been on the radio on New York since 1985. Welcome when back. it was the Captain Reed All We Crest radio show. Welcome back. But um, the Yankees have what it takes. It is only August. You still have the waiver wire. They can still get a starting pitcher. Mm-hmm team that is out of luck, out of gear, will try to unload salary to get prospects. If they clear waivers, you got your starting pitcher. Yeah. That's how it's been done before. That's all you have to do is look at what uh, Cashman's done, at what Gene Michael did, at what um, Lee McPhail and uh, Gabe Paul and Paul, Paul Rosen did in the 70s. That's what makes you a Yankee fan. Yeah, and that's it, what makes you a New Yorker. Yeah, you gotta believe, like oh. Tug McGraw used to say. <laughs> now we're confusing Mets and Yankees lines here. Though. I do both teams. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do too. And pe- people don't really like realize that. But did you ever meet Elston Howard? I have never met him. No. I asked him one question when I was twelve. What's that? Who was the better catcher, Thurman Munson or Carlton Fisk? You know what his answer was? Both of them. Besides which? Which one? I know they don't like each other. That's when baseball was fun, when the Yankees and the Red Sox used to brawl at Yankee Stadium 
and Fenway Park. Hey, have you seen the Reds and the Pirates, though? That's uh, amateurs. <laughs> Amateur hour. <laughs> yeah. You never saw Fisk go against Pinella. No. Or Nettles against Bill Lee. Or Varitek against Rodriguez. That I've seen. That I know I've seen. Let's put it this way. There's a guy in Princeton who hates my guts because uh, I never told him I was a Yankee fan. And when Aaron Boone hit the home run, his favorite words are, Peter, I don't like you. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thanks for the call, Peter. Appreciate it. You're welcome. That. You have a nice night. Thanks. You too. <laughs> Amateur hour, Reds and Pirates. Oh, so funny. I remember I remember the Veritech A-Rod thing. Vaguely, but I do remember that. I'm trying to think of any other ones. I, uh, I remember Mike Piazza going after Roger Clemens with the bat. And then actually, I don't know. I mean, Mike Piazza, I, I don't know if this is widely known or not, but Mike Piazza went and cried in the dugout after that. In, uh, in the clubhouse, I mean, after that. He felt so bad about it all. Uh, let's take one more before the break. Let's go to Bob in Tom's River, New Jersey. What's up, Bob? First time listener as well as a first time caller well, to thanks, you. Bob. And uh I'm enjoying it. Thank so, you. Appreciate uh, it. Yeah. Um first of all, that last caller there, yeah. uh, he's a little behind the time. Uh <laughs> there is no waiver wire anymore. That's done with. Um you can't trade after that was the absolute deadline. There's no more waiver wire. Yeah, it's changed this year. Yeah. Yeah. So the, he was talking about yeah, we don't yeah. have to worry about it because they can go on the waiver wire. Right. Right, right. Okay. Uh to me, the most important statistic on the offensive side, the batting average with runners in scoring position. Uh-huh. A few years ago, the Mets had the highest on-base percentage, and they had much the lowest <laughs> runs scored because, as the manager said, we don't have anyone to drive them in. <laughs> but anyway, uh, what I'd love to know is what the uh, batting average uh, risk is for the Mets, the Yankees, and the, as a team, and... Uh, their highest uh, individuals. I think Tori, uh, Torres is the highest for the Yankees. It's about 390-something. But I don't know who it is exactly for the Mets. So I was just wondering if you had that uh, statistic available anywhere. Yeah, don't, they, they don't print it in the paper. They don't show it anywhere, you know. Yeah, you that's know. like all. No, I don't have it um, offhand, oh. but I'm about to go to break, and I'll, I'll look over the commercial break for you. Well, I'd love that. And um, are you going to be on this uh, time slot? Uh, going forward? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Oh. I'm just filling in for now. But, I mean, if you follow on the social media, I, I definitely keep you abreast and updated with everything, okay. all my, my goings-on. Excuse I because I, I, I usually li- listen to uh, Laurie, and uh, I yeah. guess maybe I nodded off after that, and uh, I, I didn't hear you prior to this. I'm just wondering, if you going to be here for a little while, though? I mean, for a few weeks? or uh, Just tonight, for now. <laughs> oh, just tonight, for now. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll have to find out. Maybe we could put a GPS uh, locator on you. <laughs> All right. Appreciate that, Tom. Uh, Bob, thanks for the call. Thank you. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, so I am going to get on that on the commercial break, and I will find out batting average for runners in squaring position for both the Mets and Yankees. And we're going to go to break. Line it up, uh, 877-337-6666. Daniel McCartan on the fan. Boomer and Geo are heading over to Giants training camp at the Quest Diagnostic Center tomorrow morning from 6 to 10 a.m. to get you a long look at Big Blue with Coach Pat Shermer and many of your favorite Giants players exclusively on your flagship station for New York Giants football. The Fan, Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN FM New York. 
right, we got some Taylor Swift here. There was a caller before, Mike. You were talking before that he was like wondering where the Taylor Swift intro music was. Oh, I heard. As you got a little peek behind the glass earlier, the music is all picked out before the show in the order. So when Kevin said that, I was like, he's going to be very happy in about 20 minutes. <laughs> I hope he's still listening. <laughs> all right, so I, I, I just did a little research uh, for Bob. Bob and Tom's were just called right before the break. And he wanted to know who are the leaders for the Yankees and the Mets batting average with runners in scoring position. And I navigated the Fangraphs website, and I came up with, actually for the New York Yankees, DJ LeMahieu hits 422 uh, for the Yankees with runners in scoring position. So he is their leader for that. And for the Mets, it's uh, Jeff McNeil. He hits 364 with runners in scoring position. So, Bob, that one goes out to you. All right, let's go back to the phone lines. Mike in Valley Stream, New York. What's up? You're on the fan. How you doing? Thanks for taking my call, Danielle. How Anytime. Thanks for hanging on. Yeah, I just wanted to talk about the Yankees. I'm really concerned, though, with all these injuries. I mean, I never saw in a season like this. Uh, I mean, the Yankees have had their share of injuries year in, year out, but this has got to be by far, like, the worst I've ever seen. I mean, I'm getting really upset, and I'm getting, like, scared, because if these guys all go down now, like, the only, like, big offensive hitters we have left on this roster is Judge, Didi, Torres, which I heard now he's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. And um, what's the other guy's name? Uh, um, you that's it. Mm-hmm. So they have four big offensive hitters left. So Hicks is down, Sanchez is down, Stanton's down, and Encarnacion's down. Golf did one of those guys get injured. I mean, how are they going to, like, I mean, we're, we're losing people. We're running out of guys. I mean, these guys, we just have to worry about staying healthy because they cannot afford to lose anybody else anymore. Like, not one guy has to, they can't get any more injuries. I mean, and we, we got to get ready for Houston. The, our starting pitching is, like, pathetic. I mean, it's the worst I've ever seen. And we have to rely on our offense and our bullpen because this starting pitching is, Got to be like the worst. I mean, I, I've seen some bad starting pitching staffs in the Yankees, but this is by far like the worst. I mean, I can't believe they didn't make any trade at the deadline. And I just, uh, I mean, I hope for the best. And I think that we could beat Houston, but there's no way they're going to beat them if they have a bad offense, too. I mean, we got to get these guys healthy. Mike, thanks for the call. I, I, I get it. I understand it. But the Yankees this season, it's been their mantra next man up, and they've done just fine. They've kept their heads afloat just fine. I'm not so, so concerned about the injuries for that reason. Really. So, I I don't know. I I mean, yes, it is a really bad starting rotation, but we knew that coming into the season. It's just the way this team is built and just have faith in in how they're built. And I know that's sort of like direct contrast to what I was saying before about the, the, the Astros, but... That's why you play the game. I mean, the Astros have a different strategy. They are front-loaded on their starting pitching, and they're good, too, in their relief. But the Yankees have other strengths, and I'm just trying to talk you off the ledge here a little bit. The Yankees have other strengths that they can play to, one being the fact that all those guys that you named, they're not down for the count. This isn't a boxing match. They'll be back. Most of them will be back anyway. I mean, Stanton, we don't know. He has no timetable for return. But most of the other guys, they'll be back, and they're going to be contributing. Anthony, New Rochelle, you're on the fan. Hey, thanks for taking my call. As a Yankee fan, I'm not falling over the edge. I got confidence in our pitching. We have the ability if we pitch good. Paxton, um, Hop, um, uh, the the uh, I can't pronounce his name right now, but the but the young boy that's got 14 wins. We got potential, and we got a strong um, bullpen. And the fact that we have the best record against the best teams in baseball right now. So if we can beat the best teams, and we're talking about um, uh, 
you know, teams like um, Houston that has great pitching. But we have a better record against them. And it's all who put, who's pitching good in the playoffs. And I always say this, you know, the Atlanta Braves, the Baltimore Orioles with great pitchers staff, how many championships do they have? It's who's pitching good when the playoffs come. Mm-hmm. And that's what I'm confident in, that if the Yankees pitch good when the playoffs come, they're going to win. If they don't pitch good, they're going to lose. That's mm-hmm. any team. That's not just the Yankees. That's Houston. That's the Dodgers. That's any team. If you're not pitching good in the playoffs, if you're not hot in the playoffs, then you're not going to win the World Series. So, as a Yankee fan, I'm confident. As long as we get there, we have a chance to win. And that's with any team. And with the Mets, I just want to ask you a question. Is it fool's goals with the Mets? You know, they're beating the Chicago White Sox of the world, the Pittsburgh Pirates of the world. Is it the true test going to come when they start playing the Dodgers and Cleveland? That's when the true test is going to come. Because you got to remember, the Mets have been an under 500 team for the majority of the year. So, again, my thing is, when the, the true test with the Mets is going to come, when they play the better teams. And with my Yankees, I'm not concerned because if we get to the big show, if if, if our pitchers pitch up the capability, because they do have the capability, then we can win the whole thing. So that's what said, um, and I'm half asleep right now, but thanks for taking my call. Yeah, anytime. Thanks for calling in. Um. Well, yeah, I mean, he kind of hit the nail on the head. I mean, I, as he was talking, I was imagining Jabba Chamberlain pitching in that game. I think it was in Cleveland when those bugs came out of nowhere. And they were in his hat, in his eyes, in his in his ears, and he didn't pitch too good. So to use that guy's uh, that guy's lines, he didn't pitch too good, and then the Yankees lost. <laughs> so, um, like you said, that's why you play the game. And I'm just looking at um, trying to find the Yankee schedule here. The first half, Yankees played Houston. Looks like seven times, and the Yankees were three and four versus that Houston team. And I know we're talking like first half this season. I, I know we're reaching only back to April, and then again. June 23rd is kind of recent, but um, yeah, the Yankees are three and four versus the Houston Astros on the season um, so far. What I've found. Let's head out to Dennis in Denville. You're on the fan. Hey, what's up, Danielle? How are you today? Good. How are you, Dennis? I'm doing good. I want to know your opinion. Who is the position player that the Yankees can't lose to get to the World Series? Who's like the guy that we need to stay healthy and to be continue to do what he's doing mm-hmm. out of all the position players? That's a good question because the Yankees are loaded everywhere, and then it's they're dropping like flies and 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 everywhere too. I would have to go. My first thought was Aaron Hicks, but I think I think I'm going to go with DJ Lemayhew. I mean, the guy leads the team in many offensive categories: batting average, runs, hits, and what we just found out: batting average with runners in scoring position. So you can load up the bases like the other caller said. You can load up the bases all you want, but if you have no one. To, to smack them in, you know, you're not going to score much runs, as many runs. So, for me, I think it's I think it's going to be DJ LeMahieu. Yeah, I hope he wins the batting title because that would be the first guy to ever do it in both leagues. That would be amazing. Oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, it would be great. So, all right, Daniel, thank you very much. Love listening. All right, thanks, Dennis. All right, bye. bye. And another thing about DJ LeMahieu, the guy's only made six errors all year long. He's got a fielding percentage of 986. And you know what else, too? Here's another thing, too. When uh, the first game, the April series, I'm looking at when the Yankees played the Houston Astros, because that's what we're talking about all night here, LeMayu hit 392, six total bases. So if the Yankees are going to square up with anybody in the World Series, uh, I'm looking at DJ LeMayu to be the guy. He is the guy that, that, knock on wood, can't go down. 
and you know, I got to tell you, I do feel a little bad um, for the Red Sox. I'll tell you why. Because, um, well, David Price. I feel bad for David Price. I'm saying that on WFAN Radio. Did you notice in tonight's game, he had a little paw print drawn on his hat. He, uh, he, his, his dog passed away. And I'm a dog person, and I'm, and I'm an animal person. So in that way, I feel a little bit bad for him. And uh, someone sent me a stat. I got to see if I can find it in, in my Twitter, um, that he's been, like, really just so bad. Uh, David Price, since his dog Astro died, five starts, 0-3, 8 ERA, 8.2 ERA. And he's given up a lot of other stuff. So, you know, I hope maybe David Price needs to take some time away away from the game for a little bit. And here's another thing. And the same person sent me this, so I appreciate that. He never, he doesn't want any credit, so I'm not going to give it to. But the, the Red Sox have a 385 winning percentage when Sale and Price start. And then they have a 600 winning percentage when it's someone else. I think they need to be diving into the analytics department a little bit deeper there up in Boston. Mike in Manhattan, you're on the fan. How are you, Jeff? Good, how are you? When, I'm okay. Win or lose, if the Mets go to the Mets make the wild card, uh-huh. do the Mets bring back Callaway, Callaway next year? Huh. Um, I, I I think they would have to, no? I don't know. Man. I don't know. It's, a good, it's a good question. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, uh, my my choice for the Mets when it happened was, was Joe Girardi for the Mets, but... I mean, I don't know. He co- he coached a team. Uh, uh, that, a different, different guy for that for that team. Yeah, I, yeah, definitely. But I just think that you know you gotta you gotta kind of reward Mickey Callaway because he took a I team agree. that was right. so down and out, and then right. they're surging. And if they do I, make I the playoffs, I mean, come well, on. what do you do? Would you bring him back or you let him go? Right, right, right. I mean, I, I probably would do year to year. I know he probably wouldn't like that, but I would maybe do a year to year deal with him. Right. I don't right. know. I, all right. Let's see what happens. Yeah, yep. We got to see. First, um, the Braves. That's going to be the big test. Yeah, you're right. All right, listen. Have a great night. Enjoy. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate it. Bye. And Mike brings up a great point. So, Mickey Calloway at, at the All Star break was ready to be fired. And then all of a sudden, the Mets turn it around. Do you keep him? I think you have to. I can't. I don't think you could justify firing a guy for getting his team to overplay and possibly make the playoffs. Remember at the beginning of the show, I said the Mets have a 29% chance to make the playoffs. So we'll see, you know, if that's something that's going to happen. We'll see. Um, but they're not far behind. And the three teams in front of them, you know, at the beginning of the season, we're talking, oh, the Mets have to skip, what was it, six teams, five teams, four teams. And now it's they've whittled it down to three. Um, and they can gain some ground on the Braves next week. We'll see. We'll see. I, I think that's a, a holding pattern. But if the season ended today, there's no way you can justify firing Mickey Calloway uh, at this juncture in the season. Sorry, I, you just can't do it. Um, I want to start talking about some football here. I, I, I'm ready. I'm, the Giants and Jets, I, I've been waiting for football season, counting it down. I mean, I know the Yankees and Mets are a hot topic, and we talked about them for two hours now. So let's, let's if we can, I mean, I'll be more than happy to take any more Mets and Yankees calls, and we'll talk about the rest of the night if you want to, but... I kind of want to go into Giants and Jets. And, and I mean, I, I think the Giants and Jets are on two different, very, very different paths um, this season. But they're both, interestingly enough, they're both marked at 101 odds to win the Super Bowl, um, which is going to be played on February 2nd. February 2nd, that's so far away. It's only August 5th. I know that. Um, but the Jets and Giants are both 100 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, which is interesting to me. 
because I think the Jets are a more positive 100 to 1 odds than the Giants at this juncture at this point in time. Um, I think the, the Jets and Giants both have their own concerns coming into the season. Um, so I've outlined, coming up, I've outlined, you know, the top concerns for the Giants, top concerns for the Jets. And um, and the Jets are in a good position, especially with uh, coaxing Ryan Khalil to come out of retirement. I mean, you, you got something special there. If a guy that just said he's going to retire for his whole career with one team retired, to, I think it was 12 seasons, and then he's going to come out of retirement to join the New York Jets. I mean, that's an interesting topic to talk about. Um, but, you know, they have their strengths. They have their their weaknesses, both teams. And and I'd really like to dive in to each of them and, and talk some football because on Thursday, guess what? The Jets and Giants are, 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 uh, are playing each other at MetLife Stadium. First preseason action coming out of New Jersey. Yeah, New Jersey and New York. I get it. Um but it's uh it's 3:56 on on the fan. You want to load that up? Maybe we'll talk some Giants, Jets maybe or Yankees and Mets, whatever you guys want. 877-337-6666. I'm Daniel McCartan on the fan. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 FM. Hey, everybody, we're back on a Monday morning, 3.05 a.m., August 5th, uh, after a Mets day game, Yankees night game yesterday on Sunday. Uh, and we're taking your calls, 877-337-6666. You have, uh, we have a bunch of people on hold, which is great, considering the time at 3.06 in the morning. I love it. Um, I, I wanted to talk about, because I've alluded to it a couple times, and, and, and I just wanted to talk about the Yankees, how I keep saying they're going to be on a collusion course with the Houston Astros. I'm Daniel McCartan. I've tweeted some graphics, or a graphic that I made today, um, at Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter. You can take a look at it as I, it's a visual as I talk, and it's also on Facebook, facebook.com slash Coach M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N. So it's there if you wanted to look at it, you know, kind of as I look at it. So I think, you know, the Yankees and the Astros, they are going to be competing to go to the World Series if all goes according to plan. And sometimes in baseball playoffs, it doesn't go to co- according to plan. But, you know, the Yankees have well-documented starting pitching needs through the years, and they did not go out and get themselves a starter um, at the trade deadline. And the Houston Astros, already having a better team pitching staff than the Yankees, they did, and they improved. Because the Astros traded for uh, starting pitcher Aaron Sanchez and relief pitcher Joe Biagini, and a minor league outfielder, Cal Stevenson. But, but we're talking about pitchers. So, uh, and all that uh, for uh, an outfielder named Derek Fisher. They also, in, in what has been described as seconds before it closed, the deadline I'm talking, they went out and got starting pitcher Zach Granke for four prospects. And, you know, they, they're, I, could, I could tweet the names out. So, basically, if all goes to according plan, they, the Yankees and the Astros are going to, you know, combat each other in in the ALCS now, I'm I when I look at and when I looked at a bunch of things and and I'm I guess what you call a baseball nerd. I'll be honest, I am a baseball nerd, and I'm looking at statistics. I'm looking at team batting statistics. I'm looking at team pitching and, and relief pitching statistics. So basically, um, you know, the Yankees have obviously a high powered offense, right? We can all agree on that. So what happens is the most prominent argument that the Yankees fans is, okay, well, first of all, we have to look at the rotation because when you look at ERA, 
batting average against and runs per game, when you compare the Yankees and the Astros, the Astros win in every one of those categories and start for team pitching. ERA, batting average, runs per game. Astros win. Okay, and then so the next thing, the next prominent thing that the Yankees fans say is, okay, sure, the Astros might have a better rotation, but, you know, the Yankees have a far superior bullpen. So then I extracted um, that next. I isolated the team relief pitching using the same three categories, ERA, batting average against, and runs per outing. And lo and behold, I found out that the Houston Astros have a better, in those three categories, which I think are the three most important, but the Houston Astros are better than the Yankees in those three categories. So pitching altogether, whether it be team pitching or just relief pitching on itself, the Astros are the better team as of right now. If the season ended today, the Astros are the better team with team pitching and relief pitching in terms of ERA, batting average against, and runs per outing. I think those are the three most things that, you know, you put them together and they they come out with a win, right? And so to further punctuate their their Major League Baseball pitching dominance, the Astros, in which was Sanchez's debut, they pieced together a combined no-hitter Saturday night. Sanchez had a quality start, Mike, of six innings pitched, okay, followed by Will Harris, one inning, Biagini, one inning. That was, I guess, his debut too. And then the closer came in for one inning. They combined for eight strikeouts, four walks, zero earned runs, and zero hits. And that was featured two of the arms that they traded for at the deadline. All right, so then you say, okay, well, you know, you know, uh, they're called the Bronx Bombers for a reason, right? Because New York has a much better offense than Houston. So I've narrowed down, and you can take a look. There's seven categories that I consider important to batting average, to, to team batting. Okay, batting average, runs per nine, on-base percentage, blah, 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 right? From here, I input the data. Like I told you, I'm a baseball nerd, and I put, you know, played around with my trusty calculator, and I began crunching, crunching numbers today, and guess what? If the season ended Saturday night, not counting today's games, but Saturday night, or Sunday's games, the Astros would lead the Yankees in four of those seven offensive categories. They would be leading them in batting average, on-base percentage, on base plus slugging, and total bases per nine innings. Now, New York would be beating Houston in runs, home runs, and runs batting in. So, you know, the callers, let's debate, because I don't know what the right answer is, but let the arguments commence over which offensive categories are most important to a win uh, in terms of batting. Is it runs? Is it batting average? I don't know. I mean, this is a collision course. I'm telling you, this is going to be, this should be the World Series in a way. And then, okay, yeah, then you could say, oh, the Yankees had some key injuries to their main players, which is absolutely true. There's 16 Yankees on the injured reserve, I mean, yeah, the injured list. And when you're looking at the talent on that list, it's Luis Severino, it's Giancarlo Stanton, Dylan Batances, Miguel Andujar, Gary Sanchez. I mean, it's incredible that they're still so far up in the standings, the Yankees. But, you know, you can you can complain all you want that the Yankees didn't get a, an arm at the deadline, but if you think about it this way, just if you switch your thought process and you think that, okay, the Yankees need help in the pitching department, we get it. But in a way, when Severino and Betances eventually come back to the Bronx, it would be, theoretically speaking, it would be like gaining two arms around the trade deadline. Because Severino has yet to pitch in 2019, shoulder and lat in- issues, injuries, Betances has yet to pitch in the 2019 season, shoulder issues. So to have both the starter and the rece- and the reliever come back at full strength for right in time for a deep playoff run, 
you know, the team has been surviving without them up until this point. It might not be the worst thing. It might be like gaining an arm, a starting arm, and a relieving arm. And not for nothing, but I was just curious today. I was like, okay, so Yankees have a lot of, a bunch of injuries. How about the Astros? Well, I found today that they've also been battling injuries to their key players. So Houston's played 112 games up until this point where I did my research. And Jose Altuve's only played in 76 of them. He's got a left hamstring strain and fatigue and soreness in his surgically repaired right knee. Carlos Correa's only played in 58 of the 112 with a cracked rib. George Springer's only played in 79 of them. And Diaz has only played in, in 38 of them. These are all injuries uh, and reaggravations of the injuries. So, you know, the baseball nerds, me included, say that there should be a New York and Houston showdown in the ALCS. Well, the Yankees, they're going to find it to be an uphill battle, obviously. And what happens? Will the Yankees go on to the World Series for the 28th World Series championship? Um, on paper, it doesn't look like it. But, of course, that's why you play the game, right? Joe and Ramsey, you're on the fan. Yeah, thank you for taking my call. Thanks for holding. I, I hope you get more air time. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate it. Thanks for holding on. Okay. Uh, the Yankees are playing great baseball right now. Yes. But the problem is if... Uh, Later goes down for any length of time. The Yankees cannot replace him. There is no way that they can, you know. Yeah, but we thought about that about a lot of the players. You know, when Judge went down and Stanton is still down. I mean, LeMahieu has been having an excellent year for the New York Yankees. He could fill in, you know, I mean, he's not going to be Glaber Torres, but he could fill in and do an excellent job at second base. So I'm not sure I totally, totally agree with that. Yeah, I just, uh, you know, I just hope it's not a serious uh, injury he has. Yeah, when they say he was sent to a hospital, that that's kind of kind of scares you a little bit, doesn't it? Sure does. Well, I don't know. I don't know. I, well, Joe, thanks for the call. I appreciate that. Um, but, you know, as we've seen throughout the season, it's the mantra of the New York Yankees apparently this season that when someone goes down, it's been next man up, and there hasn't been much of a drop-off. In production. So, you know, if Torres goes down for an extended period of time, I mean, you got Didi back at shortstop. And if Didi was out at the same time, then you're got then you running into a little bit of an issue. But Didi's at short. LeMay, who could take second base, I mean, he's been doing it and doing a good job at it. We had another Yankee call, but they dropped off. Let's go to Duffy and Tarrytown. If you want to talk about the MLB races, you're on the fan. Hey, what's up, Danielle? How are you? How's it going, Duffy? It's going good. But I think that everybody's uh, sleeping on the Cleveland Indians. They got a really good rotation. They got a good lineup. And if you get it, I think they're going to win the Central. I think Minnesota's fading. And and if they match up against the Yankees or the or, or the Houston Astros, I think they can go toe to toe with Kluber and 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 and, and Bieber and whoever else they got. They can go. They can go. Yeah. What do I, you think about that? I mean, if Cleveland is something that, you know, people haven't talked about Cleveland pretty much at all. I mean, there are three games, looking at the standings now, there are three games behind the Minnesota Twins. I mean, the there's Twins. two games up in the wild card. Yeah, I'm, oh, I'm talking in the Central. There are three games behind the, the Twins in the Central, is what I'm saying. But, yeah, I mean, people are sleeping on the Indians. I mean, sure. I mean, anything can happen, I guess, right? They got a good rotation. They could throw anybody. They, they they got a good starting rotation. They 
they got they got four guys that they can throw at you that that are going to give you problems, and and they got a decent bullpen and the hitting is okay, but Lindor is an all star. Yeah, I mean, I I think people don't talk about Cleveland and it's it's going to sneak up on them. They're they're going to be in the mix. Yeah, well, definitely. Thank, thanks for the call. Fair point. You know, yeah. I, I mean, I, for one, have been sleeping on the Cleveland Indians because I've been so concerned with running stats and numbers for the Astros. But, yeah, maybe tomorrow I'm going to take a, a real deep dive and real deep look into that. Tom in North Brunswick, you're on the fan. How's it going, Danielle? Good. How are you, Tom? I'm all right. Uh, well, Cleveland's been beating up on all those bad teams in the Central. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if you look at the uh, nobody brings this up because uh, uh, I'm going to respond to Jody and who uh, basically blew my eardrum out. Mm-hmm. He's a uh, first of all, he's a passing Yankee fan, uh, and uh, I agreed with some of the stuff that he said. I, I'd rather be playing for a division, but you know the American League is. If everybody thinks it's so great, it's not because there's a lot of teams that can't hit and pitch. The, right. Most of the team, you know, Toronto, Toronto, Baltimore. Tampa Bay, the Mets have more runs scored than Tampa Bay, Baltimore, and Toronto, mm-hmm. and most of the teams in the American League Central. So, you know, you know what I mean? So you're just so, saying, I mean, you're just saying that the Mets have play in a, a very competitive uh, division, I guess? Well, I mean, you know, like people, when they say they beat up on bad teams, first of all, there's not that many bad teams in the National League yeah, yeah. because, uh, you know, they say it's mediocre, but there's a lot of teams that are around 500 or a little above. Yeah. There's no team that's going to lose 90 games, it looks like it. Up to Miami, maybe. <laughs> yeah, but, Miami, uh, there at sixty-seven. You know, like it's it's tough. It's it's um, you know, I mean, last year the Red Sox played eight hundred ball against all the terrible teams. So yeah, you know, like this idea that just because they beat bad teams, good teams have you have to do that to right. To have a good record. And, you know, and, when the Mets play a good team, they got to beat them too. Right. And, and it's a confidence builder too. When, when you beat up on teams that you're supposed to beat, you know, it, it gives you a little bit of confidence, a little momentum going into those big games. Yeah, and, and I'm not afraid of Philly. I know if, uh, the Mets usually play well against Philly, although this year they had a tough time. When they go to Philadelphia, yeah. it's like they beat the heck out of them. And the Mets swept the Nationals. Uh, remember a couple last month, and everybody thought the Nationals were done and how bad they were? Yeah. And, but then, so, I mean, it's just it's so tumultuous, too, because the Mets got swept by the Marlins. And here we are. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so in, in baseball, it doesn't matter sometimes. It's not like basketball and football. Yeah. Uh, bad teams like, like Pittsburgh, they're bad, but they have the. They have the major league RBI leader on their team, and they got some gr- really good players. And you know, it's not like in basketball, like uh, or you know, like a bad team that just can't, like the Knicks or something. They can't beat anybody. I know, I know. But uh, but anyway, real quick, uh, yeah. the Mets uh, they have to. Um, you know, I know a lot of Mets fans don't believe. I'm a little nervous myself, but I mean, uh, remember in 2016 they were 16-62, and there was a lot of teams ahead of them, and they went 27 and 13, and they won the wild card, and they. I mean, you know, the, the wild card game against the Giants, Baumgartner mm-hmm. shut them out. But mm-hmm. And another thing is, real quick, um, a wild card in baseball, I think, uh, I know the Marlins won the World Series twice. They beat the Cleveland in 97, and they beat the Yankees in 2003. I'm not sure who else did it, but a wild card team in baseball can win, can win a championship, even though they are not. I don't consider them a championship team, but if they get hot, they can do it. You know Thank what? You in football, too, I mean, and thanks for the call time. I appreciate that. I mean, wildcard teams, they could they can win in football, too. I mean, aren't we in the Giants market? I mean, the Giants as a wildcard team, I forget what year it was. I was in college, so it had to be, like, what, 2008, maybe? 
they won the Super Bowl. So anything can happen comes playoff time, and, and, and you don't know. You don't know what can happen when you get into the postseason. All right, keep the calls coming, 877-337-6666. It's time for the 2020 update. Listen to Yankees baseball tonight at 7.05 as the Bombers open up a three-game series with the Baltimore Orioles at Camden Yards. Join Susan Wallman and me, John Sterling, for all the play-by-play right after a full day of Yankees ticket giveaways. Here on your flagship station for Yankees talk, tickets in every game, the fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66, WFAN and WFAN-FM, New York. All right, we're back on the fan at 4.24 in the morning. I'm Danielle McCartan. Be with you guys all the way up until the warm-up show with Jerry and Al. And uh, so the, the last caller was just asking about the uh, Patriots, basically, and who's going to challenge them for the AFC East. I mean, I think, if any, it's going to be the Jets. And the Jets, like I, like I alluded to a little bit before, they own 100-1 to 1 odds to win Super Bowl live. I guess that's, what, 54, Super Bowl 54. Don't tell them that because there is a tangible air of optimism surrounding the Jets this year. And in fact, in recent months, there's a lot of pieces that have come together for them. So the Jets this year find themselves with a veteran offensive line, especially in coaxing Ryan Khalil out of a short-lived retirement, which was a great get. A loaded defensive unit. They find themselves winners of the Le'Veon Bell free agency sweepstakes and with a second-year quarterback on the rise in Sam Darnold. And I'm not saying it's in the uniforms, but I'm saying that the Jets obviously have new uniforms this year, and um, they're ready to start a new era. And you know the last time the Jets got new uniforms? 1998, coached by Bill Parcells, wearing their brand-new unis? They led the Denver Broncos through halftime of the AFC Championship game. Huh? How's that? So with all this optimism, where are the top three areas of concern for the Jets? Number one, we talked about it before, cornerback. I mean... Darrell Rivas, Rivas Island, they're missing him big time. I think 2018, they had a very middle-of-the-pack defense, only 14 interceptions. That was good for 15th for a tie, tied for 15th in the league. And that unit was led by Tremaine Johnson. Five years, almost $73 million contract, second-highest-paid cornerback in the NFL. So, you know, where was he? He's got to step it up this year. Um and and there's another concern with him, too, and a, a quote-unquote in-house matter. And he was a healthy scratch in, in Week 17 action, and it came out after the fact that he allegedly skipped a meeting, a team meeting, or a couple of them practice times throughout the week. So can the Jets really depend on Tremaine Johnson? Uh, yet to be seen. Um, they hope that uh, Greg Williams, who coached him uh, in his time with the Rams, to, to successful seasons, they hope they can work some magic with Greg Williams again. And uh, just to know, I mean, a, as good as Tremaine Johnson was when Greg Williams left to go for Cleveland, he he was uh, he was one of the best cornerbacks in the league. He he was the best, uh, I think it was press man cornerback in the entire league in that year that Greg Williams had left, and he coached him up until that point. So you know, the Jets need Tremaine Johnson to make a big step up. And I, I, bear with me here because I, I did some extensive research on the wide receiver position for the New York Jets. The top three receivers listed are Robbie Anderson, Quincy Ndunwa, and Jameson Crowder. For me, a clear-cut, star-power kind of guy isn't really apparent. So Robbie Anderson will take him first. I know he's a fan favorite. 
his draft profile graded him as a 5.08, which is falls in the range of back end of the roster. And we all know, before you guys call up and freak out, we all know that draft profiles are just that. They're just projections. Of course, Robbie Anderson has speed to burn. He, he runs a 434 40-yard dash. He can easily slip behind an opposing defense on the vertical routes. We know that. But the bottom line I'm going to ask you is, what is the most important characteristic for a wide receiver? For me, can they catch the ball or not? Right? Isn't that their sole job is to catch the ball thrown to them by the quarterback? So what's concerning to me about Robbie Anderson in terms of offensive efficiency is something called his catch rate, which is receptions per target. So this is displayed in terms of percentage. So if you're not familiar with it, so for example, in 2018, Michael Thomas posted the league's best catch rate. So that means like when Drew Brees threw the ball to him, he caught it 85% of the time. You have to scroll a long way down that list to find Robbie Anderson's name. In fact, the three of them, Crowder, Anunwa, and Anderson, are ranked pretty much almost consecutively. And Anderson posts the worst catch rate out of all three of them. Crowder catches the ball 59% of the time. He was the best out of the three. 59% of the time he catches the ball. Anunwa, 56% of the time. Anderson, 53rd. I mean, 53% of the time. So theoretically, when Sam Darnold puts the ball in the air to any one of these wide receivers, there's only, on average, a 56% chance they're going to catch it in game situations at game speed. And even with his speed, after he does catch it, Robbie Anderson now, head-scratchingly, he only ranks in the bottom 45% in the league in average yards after catch. 3.7. 3.7. Then you take Quincy Anunua. He's physical. He ranks near the top of the league in yards after catch. But he's got a lower than average catch rate, as I was just explaining. His draft day profile also ranks him as should be in an NFL training camp. 4.8, even worse. But that was years ago, right? But how he's been used in the Jets' offense is kind of intriguing to me. So if he's targeted, his average target is like seven yards from the line of scrimmage. He's got decent speed. I'd be more interested in seeing how they can change him up and maybe give him a wide receiver screens or something short, quick patterns drawn up for him because then you allow him to get his yards at seven yards after the catch. And in other he's only caught four touchdown passes in his NFL career, which is only 40 games. And the largest knock on him, the biggest knock on him, is that he's only played one full NFL season, in tw- which was 2016. He's been injured. So it would be intriguing, at least, for me to see how he can excel under the new offensive scheme with Gase because I think his potential has not totally been realized. And the Jets seem to be on the same page with me, at least with that, because they just awarded him a four-year, $36 million contract. And speaking of contracts, the Jets just got Jamison Crowder, no? So he's entering his fifth season in the NFL. Three years, $28.5 million contract with the Jets. Missed seven games, the final seven games, I believe it was, with the Washington Redskins, right ankle injury. And that season, he posted career-low numbers. So what was the draw to the Meadowlands for him? To be part of Adam Gase's offense, actually. He said, as long as we're reading the defense correctly, it's an attack-style offense, and I like that. So, I think, I I don't know. I, I really don't see how the Jets receiving core is catching the ball at 56, a clip of 56% of the time is really going to help out a guy like Sam Darnold, who, my third point, is progressing. 
And everybody at, at One Jets Drive raves about his football IQ and playmaking ability, which we've seen. It's great. But the fact of the matter is that he's played in three different systems in three different years. USC's as a senior, obviously. Todd Bowles is as a rookie. And now Adam Gase is as a second-year professional. And Eli Manning was just on ESPN saying how he's becoming more comfortable in his new offense. And Eli Manning's a surefire Hall of Famer. And I'm worried that Sam Darnold hasn't had the time to settle in like that. But the good news is, even the mere presence of Le'Veon Bell on the field can change. I mean, the guy can change the complexion of a game with one touch, right? So even him being on the field will will draw attention from defenders. And that, in turn, is going to open up a, a, a bunch of things for Darnold. And then Ryan Khalil, oh, he's a great get. And actually, he was waiting for his phone to ring, telling reporters that he had a hard time moving on from his playing days. And he must be a funny guy because he also said, I want to apologize to anyone anyone publicly or behind closed doors that I criticized for retiring and then coming back. I totally understand it now. I get it. And Darnold obviously understands the impact he's going to have on his career. He said, Khalil's seen a lot of football. To have a guy out there that you'll be able to watch tape with him, he'll be able to show you when something's coming by just watching tape. And on the field, he'll be able to recognize something and fix the protection himself. There's so many things that he can bring to the team and that we're excited to have him. That was Sam Darnold. So I think the Jets, although they're at 100 to 1 odds to win the Super Bowl, don't tell them that. Pat in East Hanover, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle, how you doing? Nice to hear a new voice in the morning. Uh, thank you. Uh, I want to touch on a few things. I was going to go Mets, but I want to talk a little Jets. You touched on a lot there. Okay. Um, yeah, you look at the catch rate and the advanced stats and all that, but you also have to look at, you know, Donald's only been around for a year, and, you know, a lot of those numbers come from, you know, below average quarterbacks and Fitzpatrick and McCown, so we have to take that, you know, with a grain of salt. Well, Fitzpatrick also set the, the passing records with uh, Brandon Marshall and Eric Decker not long ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but, I mean, then he came back in second year. It was, he was atrocious. So I would just say that, you know, give him a chance. Cause, I mean, I'm not a Robbie Anderson fan. I want him gone after all the incidents off the field. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I think he realized something clicked last year that, you know, running straight in the NFL doesn't work. Like, it doesn't matter <laughs> how fast you are. Yeah. It doesn't matter. Yeah, it doesn't, you have to be able to run routes. You have to be able to run across the middle. And those last few games last year, he really showed me something. You know, he, him and Sam connected, and he realized, you know, let me go across the middle. Let me run my routes. Let me get better. And he, he looked like he did. And uh, with Quincy, he, Quincy Anunwa is a, is a really good receiver. He is solid. They do throw a lot of screens to him. I like to see him go down the field a little bit more. Mm-hmm. But he has to stay healthy. And if he's healthy, he is a you know, good number two receiver. And Crowder, is, uh, his advanced stats in the slot are phenomenal. So I think that's why they grabbed him for, you know, Sam to have something easier to go to, especially with, you know, our secret weapon, which is Herndon, who I think is going to be a, yeah. a top five tight end this week. But, you know, he's suspended before a game. Yep. But, uh, you know, once he comes back, He'll be clicking, like you said. You know, again, Khalil was was great to see somebody actually come out of retirement to play with the Jets. Exactly I mean, right. You would never see that. <laughs> I know. I, mean, ever. I know. So for that to happen, you know, it was great. But I think you know they do need corner. They're very light a corner. Yeah. We can't rely on you know Greg Williams coming at all. He had his best year with Greg Williams. You know what? That was a long time ago. Mm-hmm. It's just you know magic. It's not magic. You know the guy's got to yep. perform. And uh, I think Jamal, you know, got on top of him. So. We'll see what happens with that. But, you know, I am excited about the season. I'm a realist when it comes to the Jets. I feel like they, uh, you know, they have a shot. I don't know about, you know, Super Bowl or winning the division because the Patriots, you know, as long as Tom Brady still breathes, I don't know how well it's going to happen. But yeah. the, key, the key is Sam Donald. 
You know, the reason we've never won the division, we never competed, or we never won those big games is because we haven't had the quarterback to do it. I believe in Sam. I think he's phenomenal. And all you hear from training camp, he's unbelievable. So Mm -hmm. if he takes that step, as we know in the NFL, if you have a quarterback, he makes up for deficiencies all over the field. Yeah, definitely agree. So, I mean, I pray, you know, I want to see, you know, as a kid, I always thought I'd see a Super Bowl. I'm 30 years old now, so it's like, uh, I don't know (laughs) if we're going to see one. Yeah, I mean, I think they should go after Trent Williams also. I think that would be a great get if they could trade for him, maybe move Beecham to the right side. But, uh, you know, I'm, I'm excited about the year. I think, I think it's going uh, to be a fun year. And we'll, uh, we'll see what happens with them. And uh, real quickly, on the Mets, I heard you talking about them before. I don't think there's any Mets fans that uh, like Juan Lagares anymore. Yeah, <laughs> I know. He needs to go. He, he's exposure. <laughs> so, I mean, they were throwing BP yesterday. It's the only reason he got any hits. So. Oh, God. But uh, I think, you know, it's going to be a fun ride. Everyone just hold on. You know, I don't, I still don't think they're going to make the playoffs, but we'll see what happens. With that pitching staff, if we can get in, you know, you never know. Pitching wins championships. So we need, we need a little bit more bullpen help, but I think, I think they could do it. And uh, it was nice hearing your voice. It was nice to hear a new voice, and good luck. Thanks, Pat. Great call. Thank you. All right, so you have it. So after the break, I would like to get into a little bit of uh, of the Giants. Same sort of deal with the, the New York football Giants. And I know I have two calls waiting on hold. Don't go anywhere. I'll catch up with you guys after the break. It's Daniel McCartan on The Fan. Coming up later today on CMB, all the Yankees and Red Sox to recap from the weekend. And we have got plenty of football from Giants and Jets camps. Plus, we've got Yankee tickets every hour to give away. It all starts at 1 o'clock CMB on Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN and WFAN FM, New York. All right, it's 4.43 in the morning. Back with Danielle McCartan on WFAN Radio. And we have some callers on the line. Listen, guys, I got to tell you, it is a great day, a great time to be a baseball fan in New York City. We've been talking about it all night. Lots of Mets, Yankees calls. And and we're going to go right back to the phones because at, at 4.43 in the morning, we still have some calls. Let's go to Richville Park. And Hank, you're on the fan. Uh- Hey, Daniel, I love your Twitter feed. I know you had a pretty good summer, all the ballparks you uh, yeah. attended, and uh, I love that Jeopardy. Uh, <laughs> oh, I, I, I think I'm the James Holzhauser of uh, your Jeopardy feed. So, so guys, I, I, I like <laughs> Jeopardy. I watch every single night with my bowl of ice cream pretty much every uh, night, and when there's a sports category, I love it. I take pictures of my TV, and I, I tweet it out to my followers, and Hank's always one of the first to respond. Uh, with, yeah, well, <laughs> with Hulk Styles around, it was I, I never missed it. And if I did, I had it taped every night. That was a pretty good segment. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, I, went, I was out in Petco uh middle of June. Beautiful park. Uh, yeah, saw Yelich play and Tatis. That was fun. What a beautiful place. But, uh, th- like I said, these Yankees, uh, Tachman and, and – uh, Ursula, he's unbelievable. The guy's on every night. They're unbelievable, these guys. <laughs> I know. They're uh, stepping up out of nowhere, these guys. And, and uh, yeah, you, you know, I know you, you got back on the football, which I could talk football. Uh, whatever. Big Giants fan. And Jabril Peppers, I think the Giants should try to use him a little on offense. I yep. mean, I've read some articles on that. I mean, he's such an offensive-minded uh, player. Uh you know, I do high school football in New Jersey, so I've had him a few times. And what a super kid and a super athlete. So I'm looking forward to seeing what he does with us t- this year. Definitely, yeah, definitely a dynamic player. I think they were even talking about using him in, in the kick returns, too, I think. Yeah, he's got great hands. He's got great hands. He's quick. Yeah, it should be an interesting year. I think, you know, we're going to struggle. I hope, I hope we get out of the box good, you know. 
Uh, I mean, the Jets, the Jets are uh, up and coming, I think. Yeah, you get that center. You know, I guess when you offer them almost $9 million, they have, uh, they'll come back and uh, play a little bit. You know, that's a lot of money to leave on the table if you can still play. But the Jets can. I mean, they could do it. They have the cap room. The Giants yeah. don't. Quality Force, did you, play, did you play high school softball in New Jersey? I did, yeah. Oh, okay, because I do high school umpire too. But Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, I like this kid, Four. He's from Bellmead, New Jersey. Pitched. He actually was a great pitcher at Princeton, too. I mean, if the Yankees needed somebody to to fill in a few innings, I think he could do it. Yeah, yeah. what a story he is! I tell you, this and of course the game I go to, they uh, they play Arizona in the first game. They lose four to one, and that's the only game I've been to all year. So, but since then they've been playing pretty good. So, no complaints. Yeah, so maybe you shouldn't go. <laughs> maybe I shouldldn't go. Just stay home and watch them. You know, but uh, hey, that's th- great. Thanks that's for the great. call. I appreciate it. Okay. All right. Great talking to you. Thank you. Good luck. Bye. Thanks. All right. Let's head out to Dave in Queens. He's been patiently waiting. Dave, you're on the fan. Good morning, Danielle. How you doing? Good. How are you, Dave? All right. You got a, you, you got a beautiful name. <laughs> Thank you. That's, that, that's my daughter's name, too. Ah, uh, see that? <laughs> anyway, welcome to the show. We, Thanks. you know, appreciate you listening all night. Um, the Jets are 100 to 1 to win the Super Bowl. Last I checked, yeah. I'm going to jump with Jersey and buy that ticket. <laughs> I got I got the ticket for Yankees to win the World Series. That's six to one. Mm-hmm. And I got the Mets under 86 and a half for the season. Okay. All right. Not I think bad. they're going to fall. You think they're going to fall apart? Yeah, because when, when they start playing the Nationals, the Braves, the Phillies, the Dodgers, you know... You know, they're, they're beating teams now that they're supposed to beat. Right. Yeah. But but the, but the twenty games that they, they blew during the uh, during before the All Star break, you know, when uh-huh. they had the lead, and they blew in the ninety eighth and ninth inning. But they're a different you know team what? now, though. They're a completely different team now. It's the same team. Ah, uh, something changed. Only something. you took out. Only you took out. You you just took out Vargas and, and, and you added the uh, the guy from the Blue Jays. Yeah, I don't know. It's just something clicked. They, they're gelling together at the right time. You, 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 you know get, that. And I'm, a, and I'm a Mets fan. Don't get me wrong. I'm, I'm a big Mets fan. Yeah. But I don't think Brody did enough to that they're going to catch anybody in the wild card. They're going to fall. They will fall short this year. Maybe next year, you know, they can, uh, you know, get you know, because they got they got a lot of these young hitters. They're doing good. Alonzo, well, he hit the wall. No, he's not hitting the wall. Okay, they're pitching differently to him. He has to adjust. If right. He can't adjust to the pitches now. Okay, because now they got a book on him now. Right. Okay? Exactly. So now they know how to pitch this guy. And he's got now, no protection he, behind him in Cano he has, either. He has. He has to adjust to to what they're doing, and and that's nothing. He can, there's no protection anywhere. You got out. You got out in that lineup, and Cano's on the on the DL. It's going to be an uh, injured list now. Yeah. Neil plays second base. Yep. But um, I think they're going to hit the wall. Hit the wall for this season. Next season, it'll probably be a different different ball game. And Danielle, you're doing a very good job. And you got we got to hear you more often. <laughs> Thanks, Dave. And, and we and we got to and we got to really uh, make noise to make to make that happen. Right. You have a lovely night. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, and that's the example of a, of, of a Mets fan uh, that's been through it and doesn't want to get their hopes up. And 
I don't know. I mean, I'm not saying they're winning the World Series this year, but their their percentages their percentage before the All Star break to make the a playoff run or make the playoffs at all was at like five point seven percent. Now it's at twenty nine. Something changed. I don't know what it was, but something changed over there in Queens. Let's go to Ronkonkoma. Eric, you're on the fan. Yeah, how you doing, Daniel? Good. How are you? Good, good. Listen, just to follow up on that last call. Look, I mean, I'm not gonna, you know, as I've been saying to JJ and Tony, and I'm, you know, I'm, I'm enjoying the run they're on right now. But if if they can get past the Marlins here, you know, let let's keep the heads on straight as far as they're concerned. And and when they start playing the Phillies and the Nationals, and then let's see how they do at that point. That's right. What, that's the barometer I'm going to use. Right. On there, if they, if they can, you know, play well against them, you know, uh, and, and even when the series, not so much, you know, I don't care about sweeps, you know, let's, when the series on there, that that'll go a long way in my opinion on there. Mm-hmm. Um, I agree. Real, real quick on the Jets. Now you were just talking about the odds on on them with the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was Boomer who was saying just at the end of last week that I think like. A couple months ago, uh, them and another team were quite a bit higher with the odds also. I think they were at I, 250 I they at one point. Yeah, something to that effect, right, yeah. exactly. And it was another team that was like 500 to one, and they, they both dramatically dropped mm-hmm. uh, based on uh, the acquisitions they've been getting. So, yeah, that, uh, uh, you know, so I'm, you know, imagine someone put a laid down a bet at, at, at those odds. Imagine, I, mean, I know. Who knows, who knows where it's going to go, I mean, especially now that uh, – with Brady again, a couple more years. Oh boy, I can't, I can't take it anymore. But, <laughs> but anyway, you know, the, good to hear another voice on the radio there. Uh, good luck with that, and I uh, hope to speak to you soon. So. Thanks, I appreciate it, Eric. Thanks for the call. You got. It. And that seems to be the consensus among all Jets fans that as long as Tom Brady's up there in New England, it's uh, going to be a real tough go to break into the playoffs. Um, but you never know. I'd like to talk a little Giants. I know we're going to get cut off by the break, but. Let's go little Giants now. So the Giants are also 100-1, to 1, and I just double-checked that just to be sure. And, yes, the Giants are, are yes, 100-1, to 1, and so are the Jets to win the Super Bowl. And the Giants, I think, are a little bit – they're not as optimistic, let's just say, as, as the Jets land is because um, – for a number of reasons. And number one, the quarterback position. I mean, you know, the Giants with the sixth overall selection in the draft, they selected Daniel Jones, a quarterback out of Duke, right? So with that, though, and and by the way, here I am with the microphone in front of my face. You know, I was really disgusted. I'll tell you, I was very disgusted when Daniel Jones shows up to a Yankee game and gets booed when they showed him on the big screen. I mean, come on. I know the Giants fans are upset with the 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 high uh, how high he was picked and they thought Giants fans that maybe he could have been there at what they have the seventeenth pick in the same round. Um, what I've read and and I've read a lot. What I've read and these no name or anonymous sources are saying, um, anonymous uh, what are they called GMs or whatever they're saying that he was not going to be there at seventeen. So and uh, and Giants fans, it's not the guy's fault that he was picked at six and not seventeen. So or whatever the number was that they were. So. Um, to have that guy boot at the Yankee game, I, I just thought it was in poor taste. I'm sorry. I, I'm sorry to come down like that, but it's, you know, come on. How, does, how did that make him feel sitting there? It wasn't his fault. Just doing the best he can. And now, so with the draft of him, it seems as though the clock is ticking down even more quickly on 38-year-old Eli Manning, the giant stalwart under center for the past 16 seasons. The Giants must figure out a way, though, to make the transition from number 10 to number 8 
as seamlessly and efficiently as possible. Because Phil Sims was saying that Manning's passes have had an extra zip on them this year, and by all accounts, everybody that's been to Giants training camp, I, have, I haven't been there yet, they're saying that Jones is having himself an outstanding training camp. And in, if you saw it, I, I saw it on Twitter, he heaved a deep ball down to Paul Perkins, right, down the sideline, dropped it right in his hands, right in the breadbasket, in stride for a touchdown, far. I want to say maybe 35, 40 yards maybe. And he just, the excitement of the team was kind of palpable through, through the Twitter video. And, you know, Pat Shermer was asked about it, and he called the play outstanding. I mean, he, he said he's made excellent throws in every practice. He has the arm to play in the league. And then what Mike Shula, offensive coordinator, said after that kind of opened my eyes a little bit more because he, Shula said that he's thrown the ball deep very well, blah, blah, blah. To hit a halfback like that down the field was pretty impressive for any quarterback, rookie or veteran. Hmm. So I, I just, I mean, Daniel Jones seems to be it. I mean, we had Loletta here, we had Tanny here. We, we had all these guys that they drafted. That's kind of the approach that Eli's taken. They've drafted guys in the past. I'm just going to continue to do my job. You know, Eli. But Daniel Jones seems to be the one, the, 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 uh, the successor to Super Bowl winning future Hall of Fame quarterback, Eli Manning. I mean, there's no doubt. So Giants fans, it's it's not a matter of if Manning's going to be replaced this season. It's going to be a matter of when. And I know Golden Tate, he's he's serving a four-game suspension. If the Giants open up the season losing four straight, I don't know. I think that I think he might be getting the hook sooner than you think. But who knows, because the, the 2018 Giants, they lost five games out of their whole schedule by three points or less. Five games by three points or less. So maybe they're not as down and out as you think they are. And of course, Giants fans, I'm sure you remember, September 24th of last year, the Eagles' rookie kicker nails a 61-yard field goal to win the game. October 8th. Panthers Gano nails a 63-yard field goal to win the game. So we're talking two games that were lost literally on the last play of the game. So, uh, you know, obviously Odell Beckham is is gone now, and we'll talk more about the the rest of the Giants' concerns after after the break. But I mean, right now, Daniel Jones. Is wowing everybody, and I'm not. I haven't been there. I haven't seen it with my own eyes, so I'm not sure if they're just, you know, kind of, sort of, just saying that, or if in fact he really is leading, you know, leading up to the hype of being the sixth overall pick in the NFL draft this year. And then again, you say Shermer's telling the media that Manning's throwing is sharp. His arm is live. Second year in the system, he's doing better. Who knows? I, I mean, I don't know, but I, what I do know is that the offense is going to have to run through. Saquon Barkley this year, for sure. More Giants talk after the break and more of your phone calls at 877-337-6666. Danielle McCartan with you on The Fan. Sports Radio 101.9 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Hey, everybody, we're back at 4.05 in the morning at WFAN. I'm Danielle McCartan, taking you guys all the way up 
until the warm-up show with uh, Alan Jerry Recco, followed by Gio and Boomer in the Mornings, the morning show. Uh, the highlights are, are playing right now on the TV of the of the Mets. I mean, of the Yankees beating the Red Sox, and I, they just showed the Gio Urshela moment where he uh, he fouled the ball off of his knee, got back in the box, and and the whole that's the moment where he was endeared to the Yankees crowd, sort of like a Willis Reed sort of moment, if if you will. Um, and he was taken out and X-rays. At, we were just talking in here with Harris and I. X-rays were negative. Might just be a really big bruise when he wakes up tomorrow morning. Nice and stiff bruise. Um, he should be fine, though. I, I mean, I think. And um, so the Yankees and the Mets had awesome wins today, both of them. The Yankees swept the Red Sox. And the Mets are climbing ever so slightly back into, or possibly into, a wild card position here. Um, and and let's go to Ben in Queens. He wants to talk some baseball. Ben, you're well, on the fan. Morning, Miss Daniel. How are um, you, Ben? Um, firstly, welcome to the overnights on the weekends, or at least uh, Sunday night, Monday morning. So Thank like, you. Like, we, we are a lively bunch, and we, we like to keep people entertained, and we like to see our hosts with, with what they know. Uh, quickly, you brought the Giants and the Jets. Yeah. I just find it weird that it's the first preseason game. You know, I'm so used to it being the third preseason the game. Fourth. Relax, yeah. you know, see... See the future stars. Mm-hmm. See who who really wants to make the team on both sides. But the first game, I'm like, ooh, I'm not awake enough yet for this season. <laughs> for this, too soon. Uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, as far as the Yanks go, what yeah. a difference nine days make. Mm-hmm. <laughs> go like uh, oh, when 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 the Boston took three or four. Uh, the amount of Red Sox fans calling into the station, <laughs> oh, we still have a chance. Wow. Oh, this is going to be 78 in reverse and all of that. I, you know what? The, the one thing about this year for Yankee fans has been, it, it's, been it's, it's been a gut check just because the amount of people going down, the inconsistent starting pitching, mm-hmm. you know, but this team keeps on fighting mm-hmm. and keeps on fighting. And keeps on fighting. You know what? So, so they come and they sweep the Red Sox here in, in the midst of having even more injuries. You know, what else? What, hey, hey, okay, uh, Meteor is going to strike Yankee Stadium. Uh, <laughs> Don't say that. There was one close not long ago, like a last week. I, you know, it, but but that's the Miss Danielle. That's how this season has been. Yeah, it's going to be a weird thing, and the Yankees are going to find a way to overcome that too. Yep. You know, As they so, have been. So, yeah, in a way, I'm I'm almost kind of glad we didn't get the big picture because now we could continue living this bad new bears type of season here. <laughs> like, what what else could possibly happen? You know, just just then, like the, hey, we just got him back. We just got him back. He's hurt again. Oh no! What what are we going to do? We call up this kid. This kid gets a big hit. The guy on the end of the bench who you think does nothing comes and gets a big hit. And you know that that's the sort the season has been and as far as the Mets go you know what this is what uh, I I was talking to Sal the other day about it I'm like you didn't pull off the trade good you you got you got the dude from Toronto better yeah now you're only four games away from the wild card fight for it when they lost the first game of this series I I face palmed I was like (laughs) really I just got done talking to Sal (laughs) (laughs) 
saying, you know what, you're four games back, let's go for it. And I, I, you know what, it shows a good bounce back. It does my dad's heart proud because he's a diehard Met fan, you know. Yeah. And I go like, yo, listen, both teams in the playoff discussion, at least through August and September, mm-hmm. that's something this town needs. Yep. Because when both teams are in it, it's fun. It makes listening fun. And, and the debates will keep on going. No matter how many dummies go on with it. No, no, no. When both teams are doing well, this city is doing well. Makes Ms. my Daniel, job a lot easier. <laughs> thank you for the time for letting me pontificate. Thank you. Enjoy <laughs> your night. Thank you. Appreciate it. I mean, he's right. When when both teams, isn't it more fun when both teams are at least in the discussion? We haven't had that in a while. But he did bring up the trade deadline and, and, and the moves that the Mets made. I think Van Wagenen made the right decision not shipping off Syndergaard. He's entering only his third year of arbitration. He's won't be a restricted, unrestricted free agent until 2022. And he's, Noah Syndergaard is absolutely vital to the future of this team. And he should not be dealt unless for an outstanding return package that's, like, too good to be true. And I would ask for a combination of prospects and MLB-caliber impact players right now who are household names right now. Zach Wheeler, though, I was kind of surprised that he didn't go anywhere. I thought he was a perfect rental player for any team looking to put themselves kind of over the top World Series contention. Uh, But Van Wagenen did not deal him, but sort of head-scratching because he's going to become a free agent at the end of the season. And to me... You know, I'm thinking either the Mets are going to try to re-sign him for next year, and maybe they'll offer him a qualifying offer, and if he turns it down, the Mets can get a draft pick compensation. So maybe that's the the, the line of thought that Van Wacken is thinking. But um, I don't know. I think for 2020 and beyond, though, if you want to take this just a little one step farther, I think, you know, I like I said before, Robinson Cano's full no-trade clause and his, his adjusted, it's like 20.2 or $3 million salary, has terrorized the Mets all season long and will continue to do so through the end of the 2023 season. And Cano, at that juncture, he's in like Tom Brady years. He's going to be 40 years old. And next season alone, just Cano, he's going to freeze up 16.4% of the team's payroll. What about Dilson Herrera? Are they, is he ever going to be given a shot to make the club with Cano here? Cano seems to be such a lock at second base, a lock in the cleanup spot, vastly underperforming. He's he's batting 6,300 hundredths of a point, almost 100 points lower than his career average, and his on-base percentage is 0.71% or whatever, lower than his career average. So he's vastly underperforming. Why? No one knows. Is he hurt? I mean, now he's hurt, but was he hurt up until today? I don't know. Now, the plan for the Mets moving forward, it just depends on how much wider the Wilpons are going to be willing to open up the pocketbook for for Brody Van Wagen. And because there's some big-time players the Mets can pick up in free agency that's going to make them instant. I'm talking instant NL East contenders, barring any winter trades, you know, as, as, as everything is standing now. But... The first thing the Mets need to do is they need to buy out Juan Lagares' contract. I know a lot of people, a lot of Mets fans love Juan Lagares, but quite frankly, he's not, he hasn't been around enough to make any sort of a difference for me. So his $9.5 million contract, the Mets could buy out for 500000 Then they can look to reinvest that money, namely 
for an outfielder that carries a big stick. I mean, Conforto can play anywhere. He has big league experience left, center, and right. His fielding percentages only vary by five hundredths of a point. In conclusion, he can play anywhere. So whoever you get, he can accommodate. I think the Mets should be all in. And don't forget there's Brandon Nimmo, who's a quality player, who led the team in, in like four offensive categories last year. He's out with an injury with pretty much no timetable for return. But we can't forget about him for next year. But what if the Mets were to go all in on unrestricted free agent Marcelo Suna? His market value projected is like $19.6 million. I don't know if the Mets are going to be willing to pay that or have that. I don't know if it's too steep for them, but he would be, he would put the Mets over the top. But then again, other free agents that maybe like a tier lower than him, Cameron Mabin, Corey Dickerson, Hunter Pence even. But we got to see how the rest of the season plays out and, and who steps up and, and who falls by the wayside. Got Mike, Mets talk. East Rockaway. Mike, you're on the fan. Hey, Danielle. How are you? Good. How are you? Uh, I'm one of those guys overnight, you know, uh, it's it's live theater sports uh, talk. Yeah. And I'll tell you what, I tuned in and uh, uh, see you You were coaching softball. You played softball. My mm-hmm. daughter, she's a couple years younger than you. She's 29. Mm-hmm. She's uh, married, teaches now. But uh, I taught her how to uh, uh, pitch, you know, windmill. Um, yeah. I, I hammered in a few roofing nails, inch and a half, Danielle. M- made it heavier and this and that. Uh, but, you know, anyway, some of the, I tuned in and Joe D calls. Yeah. You know, Joe D, l- listen, why don't you sip uh, the coffee out of George Steinbrenner mug and, and just relax? <laughs> you know, r- rim shot. Where's my drumstick? And, you know, so somebody other called cool, but uh, here's the thing longtime Jet fan uh, and Met fan. And I still think the Wilpons and the Johnsons got to be related, different branch of the same tree. Let's talk <laughs> the about the How Mets about the Dolans? The... Oh, please, and the Dolans. Oh, please. That's like, uh, that's another conundrum, right? Um, but, you know, the Met, I went to a lot of classic games when I was a kid. Um, and you know what? They're going on a nice run. Let's see what happens. Get back to 500, mm-hmm. and anything can happen. Um, I was 10 years old in 1964, Danielle, when the Phillies uh, collapsed. They had like a 10-game lead with 12 games to go. So I used to tell the kids and played a little ball back in the day. I used to tell the kids when I was coaching, the ball takes funny bounces, mm-hmm. as you know, too, mm-hmm. with, with your uh, background. And the Yankees and some of these Yankee fans, hey, man, you got to chill out. You know, the first game of the season, oh, we're going to the World Series and this and that. <laughs> Visions of grandeur. They're dropping like flies. And it's the same uh, 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 the same problem that they had last year. You know, where are the chuckers? Where are the reliable left-handed, right-handed starting pitchers? Chuckers, I call them. Yep. But we'll see what happens. And if they do make the playoffs, um, yeah, I've been watching a long time. They ain't going through the Astros. They're like a buzzsaw. Uh, Danielle? Uh, you remind me of Kim Jones, who I enjoy in the air, and uh, it's a good listen, and uh, I'll listen to your response and enjoy the rest of the show. Thanks, Mike. I appreciate it. Sure, sure. Wow, comparison to Kim Jones. I, I don't, Mike, I appreciate that, but Kim Jones is, is the best. She's the best at what she does. And actually, uh, my one of my, well, probably my first guest, my first call-in guest is like, you know, an expert asking questions was her here on WFAN. So, She's someone I admire, so that's that's a that's a nice compliment to, to get to hear. 
Um, let's go. Should we go NFL or Mets? Uh, NFL. Let's go, Robert. He's been hanging on for a long time. Robert, you're you're on the fan. Very nice to hear your voice, Danielle. <laughs> you're you're an insomniac dream come true at four o'clock in the morning. I'm you know. still energetic, huh? Well, energetic. I don't know how you have how you keep your bright, shiny disposition at four in the morning. But congratulations <laughs> and welcome to the club. Uh, thank you. Now, uh, I cannot tell a lie, especially to someone as nice as you. I do not root for the Mets, the Yankees, the Jets, or the Giants. So we'll just leave it at that. Okay. My team is gone for the year. The Yankees completed the, the massacre. <laughs> Boston's out of it. Yeah. Let them retool for next year. Okay, they're gone. Okay. So I'm going to, you know, wake me in October. Baseball, to me, is the regular season doesn't count. I mean, it does, it doesn't. It doesn't, it doesn't. Houston is the team I'm going to have to root for because, I, as I say, uh, I'm, I'm not a Yankee or Mets fan. Now, let me get to the NFL. It's very interesting that the beginning of preseason today, 42-year-old Iron Man gets himself mm-hmm. a two-year contract, mm-hmm. which means that he will be around to make life miserable, <laughs> especially for the AFC least. And uh, I, I always said that he's going to play till 45. Tom Brady, we're talking. For those, yeah, for those of you who didn't get it, Tom Tom Brady, yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. So uh, you, let me ask you. You don't really think that anyone's seriously going to challenge them for the AFC, to begin with the AFC East? Uh, with Gronk retiring, Darnold taking a step, I think the biggest contender, if any, would be the Jets. If any. All right. Uh, you know, okay. We'll see. We'll see. I just think... You know, listen, until, you know, every year, Danielle, they all come up to prognosticators. Oh, this is the year that they're going to slip in this. Well, I got to tell you, <laughs> I, I, you know, uh, the, the over-under, I think they're going to go at least 12-4 and four and uh, win the AFC East. And then from there, of course, it's a, it's a, it's a crapshoot. I mean, there's Kansas City. And look at their schedule. You know, I talked to Chris Moore a couple of weeks ago, and he was talking about equivalent schedules. The, look, the fact is that if you're a bad team, you get a fifth-place schedule. If you're a first-place team, you get a first-place schedule. And New England has to play, among other things, uh, first-place teams uh, uh, from the AFC North. They have to play the NFC East. Mm-hmm. They also have to play Kansas City. They have to play Houston. So, you know, listen, it's going to be tough. But I think in December... Uh, they're going to be right back where they should be, and then of course, as I say, it's you know it's on to Super Bowl. What is it, fifty three, fifty four, whatever it is this year? L I V, whatever that is. <laughs> and I think 54. I think this year it's going to be either New England versus either Green Bay or New Orleans for the big dance. All right, Robert, thanks for calling. I'm up against the break, but thank you. I think uh, TB twelve at the helm have a great shot of making the Super Bowl again. Uh, time for the twenty twenty update. Sports Radio 1019 FM and Sports Radio 66 WFAN. Hey, good morning, everybody. It's 5.06 here in New York City, WFAN Studios. I'm Danielle McCartan for about another half an hour with you guys here. And uh, hey, listen, let's just get right back into some Giants talk here. Um, Hey, if you guys want to jump on. 877-337-6666, 877-337-6666, of course, is the phone number. And, um, hey, we got Giants-Jets action Thursday from the Meadowlands. 
first of the preseason games, which is, yeah, a little unusual for them to be playing the first of the four preseason games. But, you know, it's just the way it worked out. And it's my, it might be a good thing in a way. So the Giants um, obviously have their number one thing this year is going to have to be at the quarterback position. I mean, when is it time for Daniel Jones to go in? And when is it time for Eli Manning to come out? They need to figure that out. I'm not sure if there's a hard and fast answer, depending on how the season plays out. But when it's time, hopefully they have, uh, let's just say, an easy route for Eli to go out gracefully and Daniel Jones to come in and, and invigorate the team. But the other concern for me uh, for the Giants this year is, is their defense. I mean, this year's defense can't be any worse than last year's, could it? I mean, the league average, I, I figured this out, the league average was 23 points given up per game defensively. And had the Giants held their opponents to that league average in points scored, just at the very minimum, just 23 points, they would have won two more games. And I know 7-9 and nine isn't good still, but it's way better than the 5-11. and 11. It sounds better, at least, than the 5-11 and 11 that they wound up with. But then again, it, there's um, the cards that fall for the draft order. I got that all. But um, the Giants' rankings, and to me, the most important team defense statistics, yards a game, Giants are 24th. Points a game, 23rd in the league. Takeaways, 15th, which wasn't so bad. Sacks tied for 30th in the league in sacks. And we talked about a little bit before Jabril Peppers, what he could bring to this defense. I mean, he's he's a local kid. I'm sure you've heard that narrative, but he he's a, he's a he's an athletic player. As the caller said, he's got great hands. But the Giants need help on the defensive line. And BJ Hill's gotta step it up this season. You might be surprised to know that last season, B.J. Hill accounted for 27 pressures on the quarterback, which, what does that mean? Well, it means he was tied for sixth among all all interior defenders. So he wasn't so bad. And now that he's got a, a buddy to play with on the line, you got Dexter Lawrence via the draft. I think it could be... I mean, it's got to be better, right? Because the only team worse than the Giants last year in the pass rush was the Oakland Raiders. And, you know, Eli Manning was saying on, on ESPN that, you know, Lawrence isn't obliged to put the opposing quarterback on his back every single play, but he's got to get in there and push the pocket and affect the pocket. So for the 17th overall selection in the draft, uh, by way of the Odell Beckham trade with the with the Browns, you know, this guy, Dexter Lawrence, he, he might be the real deal. He's 6'4", 342 pounds, and he set his Clemson single-season record for sacks as a freshman with five. And it seems that second-year coordinator, defensive coordinator James Betcher might best utilize Hill to maximize his output in stunt packages. And then when you move up to the next shelf of defenders, linebacker Marcus Golden, He's looking to improve upon a season that he ranked no higher than 37th among all linebackers in solo tackles, in assists, in sacks, and forced fumbles. That's not so good. In the same boat as him, Lorenzo Carter. So the linebacking crew has uh, had a lot to be desired. And then finally, 
you know, you got Jack Rabbit on the corner, but I've read a lot about Corey Ballantyne. He's making some progress at, at, at the at the training camp, and he's been named one of the weeks, uh, I think it was last week's, standout at the camp by the Giants. And then you go to the wide receivers. Odell Beckham Jr., who love him or hate him, he's one of the most talented wide receivers in the entire league. He's playing for a different team this season, obviously. So, you know, Shermer said that they're competing. And when you have a player like Odell that's no longer here, the group says there's balls out there to catch. And now tight end Evan Ingram, we know he has wide receiver capabilities. They could, they're maybe looking to use him that way, in that way this year. More reps there in the, in the slot. And then, of course, the Golden Tate suspension. Giants just brought him in on a four-year, $37.5 million contract. And I believe him. He put out this whole thing saying it was um, performance-enhancing drugs, but they were in his um, fertility treatments or whatever. I believe him. I, I feel bad for him. But I just don't think it's going to get overturned. And then he got Sterling Shepard injured. I feel like I'm talking about the Yankees. He just signed a four-year, $41 million deal with the Giants extension. And he's working through or around or with a fractured thumb injury. I mean, he's still practicing. He's still kind of running around with a yellow penny on, but he's not supposed to be catching balls, but I, I saw one that he did catch. So Giants are hoping that, barring any setbacks, he will be ready to go. Then you got Corey Coleman entering his second year with the Giants. He tore his ACL, the first practice of the entire season, and he's going to miss the whole season. So to what degree does this injury bug continue to bite the Giants' wide receiving core? Um, it's already dangerously thin to begin with. And, I mean, is there going to be a point where Dave Gettleman has to step up and bring in some economical stopgap veteran dude? I mean, or, or is it going to come from within? Is someone on, on the roster going to step up? And that's something, that would probably be the main thing that I'm watching um, when the Giants take on the Jets uh, Thursday from MetLife Stadium. But if it is, if Gettleman is going to go the route of bringing in a guy. I mean, they don't have much money to spend. I today, my favorite thing is has now become catch rates. Well, the highest I looked at all the free agents, and the highest catch rate among all of them is Jordy Nelson. So I'm like, oh great, Jordy Nelson catches the ball 72 percent of the time. Then he retired. Jordy Nelson retired today. Signed a one day. I don't said one year. One day deal with the Green Bay Packers and retired today. So he's out. And then you had Seth Roberts at 70% signed with the Ravens. Martavis Bryant, he just July 15th re- applied for reinstatement into the league after he was suspended three times in four years from the league's substance abuse policy. So those guys are all out. Then I got to Brandon LaFell. Coming off an Achilles tear, missed the final six games last year. The words discount special sort of ring in my mind. Brandon LaFell catches the ball 75% of the time. If I'm the Giants, I'm taking a good hard look at him. If this is the route they want to go. If if they're going to go and get a, a veteran veteran guy, free agent. Coming off an injury, one-year deal, prove-it deal, I, I kind of like it. Then you got Pierre Garçon who's saying that he's ready, willing, and able basically to be, become a New York Giant if they could work out the business end of it. He's got a only a 52% catch rate, though. 
And if Doug Baldwin doesn't retire, injury-ridden, if he doesn't retire, I kind of like him too. So those are three guys that the Giants can kind of hit. LaFell, Baldwin, or Garcon. All right, it's time for CBS Sports Minute with Amy Lawrence. This Thursday night, we're doubling your listening pleasure on the fan. On Sports Radio 66 on your AM dial, it's Giants football as they open the preseason against the Jets with pregame coverage underway at 6.05. And on Sports Radio 1019 on your FM dial, it's Yankees baseball as they head up north to face the Toronto Blue Jays with our coverage beginning at 6.25. So get your radios all ready for a big night of baseball and football. Football, the Giants on Sports Radio 66 WFAN AM and the Yankees on Sports Radio 1019 FM WFAN FM New York. All right, and we're back on the fan 525 in the morning. We are in the home stretch here. I'm Daniel McCartan. Thanks for hanging with me for the past know, couple hours. Um, just wrap up. We got a couple phone calls still we got to get. Listen. Uh, the New York Yankees are in action today, as you just heard, August 5th. You got Tanaka on the bump versus Baltimore. Can't take anything for granted, but that that should be an easy win. And the Mets. Also, you guys are playing in Miami. Then The Mets are playing, I'm sorry, Mets are playing home versus Miami, and you got Jacob deGrom, last year's Cy Young win, winner, on the hill. And it's an exciting week because it's football's back this week. You got the Jets taking on the Giants. The Giants are the home team. At MetLife Stadium, Thursday, August 8th at 7 p.m. And keeping with the Giants theme, let's go to Steve in Beacon Falls. Steve, you're on the fan. Uh, Yeah, I'd like to ask you a question. Yes. Uh, When did the game itself, like baseball or football, when did they become unimportant? I don't talk about basketball because the inmates run the asylum. But in in, uh, baseball and football, all I hear is like, I'm a big Giant fan and a Yankee fan. Well, if the Giants lose the next first three games, all they're going to talk about on your station is how we should dump and get, get, get a big draft choice. Everybody talks about baseball slowing the game down. Well, to me, the game's the most important thing. And I'll tell you why, because two seasons ago, everybody wanted Darnold and I wanted Barkley. I got Barkley and I'll tell you why. Two seasons ago, we won three games. We were partnered in the last few minutes and two other games. Last year, we get Barkley, five games we win, going into two or three minutes of the uh, game, the end of the game, uh, game, we were ahead, and another three or four going into the last quarter, we were eight to ten points down where we were in the game. But nobody cares, seems to care about that. They don't enjoy the game anymore, and they don't realize that it's not the Super Bowl or the World Series or the playoff. But the game itself is supposed to be the important thing. But with the way I look at it, and even with fantasy football, it's not who wins the game. It's if my player does this and my player does that. When did the game all of a sudden became unimportant? Yeah, I mean, I'm with you. I consider me old school. I think that, you know, your team is in it until they're mathematically not in it. And then you have to start to look to the future. But, you know, it's just... it, this is so much to unpack, you know, in, in the short time we have left. It's just, in, in my opinion, thanks for the call, Steve. In, in my opinion, it's just, it's it's the rise of the fantasy football, uh, the fantasy leagues, fantasy football, fantasy baseball. And like he said, people don't care. The new generation doesn't totally care if their team wins or loses. It's about how, did they win? Did they win their fantasy football week versus whoever? Um, so, 
you know, fandom is sort of going by the wayside um, with the new generation. I mean, there's been campaigns to try and you know keep the young fans in, but it's just too much to unpack at this time and you know it's this time in the morning. But um, I agree. Uh, but for me, whatever my team I'm rooting for is, until they are mathematically eliminated from playoff contention, I don't start looking to the future. You know, I, I don't like doing it. And anybody that tries and asks me, oh, well, who do you want your team to get in the draft? Well, we're not there yet. Well, I don't know yet. And the whole notion of tanking, I can't stand. And because I'm a former athlete, I'm a coach, I would never want my team to tank ever. Mike in New Jersey, you're on the fan. Hey, good morning. You know, Danielle, you're terrific. Thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, I, I want to say about the Giants, they cut the cancer out. I'm glad he's in Cleveland. He could be in, in China, so I'm not concerned. I'm not a Giant fan, but what I did want to really talk about, just to switch gears on my Mets, Yeah. I mean, for a long time, I was one of those people. I went twice. I'll see you again. I'm going to go Saturday. I'm going Saturday night, and we'll see where we go. Yeah. Callaway, all of a sudden, he's pushing the right buttons. I mean, a month and a half ago, we had this guy ready to go home. Yeah, go home with your family and have a good life. Yeah. It's crazy. But, you know, it's, just, it's amazing. I don't know. We have to wait. You gotta, that's why we got to play it out. And, and I never would have thought that here we are, three games away from a while, you know, yeah. 500. Uh, yeah. I mean, it's, it's, one, it's one game to get to 500. You're three games out of the wild card. That's what it was on. Yeah, you're right. And as you say, with the football, I agree with you. I can't stand fantasy leagues. I see all my these people that I know are younger kids were having a party in my house to said to draft the team. Draft the team for what? <laughs> I hate fantasy football. Just play the game, see what happens, and let's go. And I do have to say one thing. You know, everybody goes back to the NFL. They're not stupid. How is it all of a sudden, just coincidentally, the second game of the year, the cancer comes back to New Jersey with the Browns, and he's playing the Jets. But that's just coincidence that they're scheduled like that. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's the NFL scheduling at at, at its uh, at its best, I guess. Yeah, sure. They did that on purpose. They <laughs> knew exactly what they were doing. Yep. Yeah. Listen, have a great day, okay? All right. Thanks, Mike. Appreciate You're it. You're welcome. And by the cancer, he was referring to Odell Beckham Jr. <laughs> I don't know if you guys got that. Um. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I am not a fantasy football player. I've, I think I played one season. I like to win things. Like, whatever I do, I like to win. And I didn't win, and I didn't like it. And I, honestly, I haven't I haven't played in, in another one since. I, I was like I, I was like winning, winning, and then all of a sudden I just was in last place. I do remember, though, my, my kicker was uh, Tucker. And he got me more points than whatever my defense was that year. But I... I I can't get into fantasy football. I'm sorry. I'm sorry for those of you guys I'm just disappointing right now. You're probably facepalming me. Um, but, yeah, here we are. We are here on, on the precipice on the eve of NFL football, the enshrinement ceremony in, uh, in Canton, Ohio, which, by the way, is, is going to be expanding. They're going to expand it next year to allow, I think it's 20 former players. I, I don't have the numbers exactly, but I think uh, it's time, and, and we can get into this another time, but I think it's time for, uh, for Mark Bavaro to get his uh, golden jacket. And, you know, you might, you know, older Giant fans might be shaking their heads right now, but the guy had a nine-year career. And when you look at his numbers and, and you, you place him among all the other tight ends, 
after their first nine seasons, Bavaro fits in with the rest of them, Dicka, Sharp, who are already in. So um, for the NFL enshrinement ceremony next year, I, I think I think Mark Bavaro's name's got to be called, and, and Joe Klecko, for that matter. Um, but it's an exciting time. It's an exciting time in New York. New York sports scene, Jets-Giants on Thursday. Um, Giants have a lot to prove. And, you know, Eli Mann is going to get, what, one one series, if that. And uh, then it's Daniel Jones' time. And the Jets and, and the fans are going to get to see what he can do. Because, obviously, the Jets – see, the Jets' defense, too, is an, this is another thing. The Jets' defense has um, a lot of new pieces, a lot of things that they want to try, and, and a lot of veterans that are going to be put in probably different spots. So when when it's the Jets – time for, for Manning to come out and the Jets to go in, and Daniel Jones might be playing against the Jets' first string uh, defense. And then you're really going to get to see because he's only gotten mostly second strings um, all all training camp, which I haven't been there, but that's what I've been reading. I don't think he's got to work with the first team yet. And then here we are with the Mets. Like we were just saying, Mets are three games out of the second wild card. They they have to sweep the Marlins next couple games. Then they have a date with Washington, who the pendulum could really swing because Washington is one of the teams ahead of them. And then the real test is going to come from the Atlanta Braves. What is that? By the end of next week, we're going to really see what the Mets are made of. Was this all just a show that they've been putting on? And then the Yankees. The Yankees, uh, next man up, next man injured, doesn't matter. So I want to thank you guys for hanging with me at the fan for, what was it, the past three hours and, well, 35 minutes. It's been a fun time. Special thank you to the callers. Had a lot of them tonight. I love it. I love the passion. Could not have done it without you. Mike, behind the glass, he's been taking your calls all night, uh, doing catering for my, my musical tastes between breaks, which is great. Harris on the update. And up next, you guys got Alan Jerry on the warm-up show, followed by Boomer and Geo in the morning. And we can keep the conversation going on my social media channels. You can follow me at Coach McCartan. That's M-C-C-A-R-T-A-N on Twitter and Facebook.com slash Coach McCartan. Uh, until next time, everybody, see you then.